0: All right, live Thursday night, almost like uh, BTL late night after hours.
1: Except I don't have to worry about Mark Jeffries yelling at me tonight. Yeah,
0: uh, you don't have to worry about Mark yelling at you, and then uh, I'll probably read more of the comments than uh, than you guys do. So <laughs> we'll have all the people that complain about that. Nobody reads the instant feedback and never ask the question. We'll ask all those questions you have for Matt tonight. Uh, tackle Junkie streaming tonight. There's a lot of people. That's the thing now, like in the last – Six to nine months. Streaming has become really popular for fishing. So I've, uh, I've
1: messed this up. I'm I'm hearing you, Rich. I gotta figure out how to turn this off.
0: Do you have the stream on as well? Like a YouTube open or not? Boom. What's up, Shadow Bassin? How is the sound, everyone? People are rolling in. What are you going du- to? Du- God,
1: you would think I do this every day. I think <laughs> I would know how to turn this off. All right, let's close this out. Let's close this out.
0: So we um, sound good for the listeners. Let's so. close
1: that out. That's probably a lot better. I won't be able to see.
0: The, yeah. you can see the you can see the comments in the. Uh, yeah, the I just part.
1: have to. I just have to pause it. Yeah, we're golden now. I messed up your intro, Rich. You, that's sorry, all right, dude.
0: This is informal. Man, you are
1: rolling, too.
0: That's all right. We're, you were rolling good. into it. This is super informal. This is not... Uh, we don't have a specific uh, formula for this. This is just hanging out, talking, fishing. Uh,
1: I got you. Is this your first show in the new studio.
0: This so is the speak. new uh first show in the basement studio that I've got. I uh I got some went to my Home Depot, made some lights. I got myself a little green glow in the background there to try to give it that nice. uh, that, uh, that depth. So yeah, this will be the first time not in the basket in the garage uh streaming. Uh so it's just a little too chilly out there. So this is going to hopefully be the warmer filming streaming studio um tonight. Very nice.
1: Yeah, you're doing a lot more streaming. You been you been like adding followers and picking up follow I mean go catch him at the national championship. You're on a you're on a roll this fall.
0: It's been a decent roll with a few uh, close calls that really could have been really good, right? So like I've, yeah. I've, I've had a really good year but I've been like a couple ounces away a few times from having a great year as guess is how I'd put it.
1: That's pretty much how the last 3 years of my life have been too. Yeah, so, That's hey, uh, I I talked to I've talked to some like some guys who I mean, they're like, they do it. Like, they've done it for 20 years, and they're like, dude, you just keep putting yourself in position enough times, it'll eventually happen. Like, the key is giving yourself a chance.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, Terry, first time here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, we do have a whole lot of suck less. Uh, let's see what else <laughs> is. Serious Angler says, what's up? Yeah, honestly, I started streaming back in, like, March or April, uh, partially out of sheer boredom, and – partially out of i had hit my like thousand subscribers at that time or a little more than that on youtube and i was trying to get my watch time up and so i was looking for a way to get my watch time up to kind of get over that that partner program threshold and uh because i just didn't have like it was before season was open so I really couldn't go out and like film a ton of stuff for videos and like I just can only do so many like tip videos a week from my like basement right. Or garage right so i was like i'm gonna try this streaming thing and it just I started on Instagram, and then I was like, this is kind of fun, went to uh, YouTube, and then just the the audience actually picked up reasonably decent pretty quick, you know, it was getting 10s or 20s or, you know, dozens of viewers pretty quick, and there was a lot of interaction, and it was really fun, and like, passed the time, and, and kind of scratched that itch that, while I was waiting for water, and I just kept going, and I just kind of got into the rhythm of doing like, a you know, a, a fishing video every week, and then doing a stream every week, uh, so just uh that's been kind of explain to me
1: how this works rich so you guys so this is this is foreign concept for oklahoma so you guys have a season like you cannot fish for bass during the off season
0: yeah so it's it's partially because of the ice and partially because of the season so the season is closed from the last weekend in february to beginning of may spawning deal so they're yeah, that's the theory. I mean, I, the, the regulation has been in there so long that nobody really knows why it was there. But, yeah, they, they thought they were protecting the spawn, I believe. Um, so, so, like, if but, you
1: catch one on, like, a leech and jig head while you're out walleye fishing or whatever, you you just have to, like, put it back immediately or? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and actually, walleyes don't open until about the same time. Oh, really? No, nor- so northern walleye So can you like not bass.
1: fish for anything in April?
0: Uh, so panfish I... pan and rough fish are open year-round. Game really? fish, like, walleye, bass, pike, and probably some other things. Uh, yeah, don't open till middle of May.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah. You fish crappie year round,
1: though, right? Yeah, yep.
0: Okay. So pan fish year round. So then, like, so even, like, ice fishing, right? Like, end of February, walleye closes, walleye and pike. So, like, even late ice fishing season, there's only pan fish, perch, crappie, sunfish. Um, hmm.
1: So the only yeah. thing I, the only way I've uh, like season like that. So like when I was up in Alaska, I've got a buddy who who has a place on the Kenai, um, and like I go up there every couple years and then different times of the year. And like we're rainbow fishing, and he's like, "Hey, if you hook a king, like legally, once you realize you have a king salmon on, you have to immediately break the line." And I'm mm-hmm. like.
0: How can I'm that like, be good for you?
1: Say that again? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, they don't want to, like, because they're, I guess, going up to spawn and stuff. They don't want to, like, sh- or stress them out or something like that. So, like, we're drifting down the river, and it's just like, that's a snag. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, and it's like a 50, 60-pound king salmon. I mean, it hit, you know, you're probably not going to land the thing because it's on, like, 12-pound 12, 12 pound test and a little b little number one. But he, you, like, get over it, and you're like, ur, ur. I mean, it's like the biggest fish you've ever hooked. And he's like, yeah, technically we're – you just you need to just like reel down and break that off, and I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Yeah,
0: like how did get it for like uh, yeah, leave twenty yards. I don't know, whatever. Well,
1: I mean, next things are freaking massive. They get attacked by all sorts of stuff, but yeah. So that's my so. Anyway, now I know what the season. Now I understand the season because I always see like on Instagram and stuff like, "Oh, it's opening season, opening yeah. day."
0: So I'm on like, the, on the on the back end, we get hit by ice right in about middle of November right like that's when things ice up here middle to late november and then on the front end when things are like you know usually i mean most years you get out late march early april but then we can't really then I mean, we can go out and fish but you kind of gotta i don't know right you can kind of fish around because what do you can you ever really say what you're fishing for but yeah i mean you could you could target bowfin and dogfish
1: chatter baiting those both yeah.
0: yeah but um uh,
1: interesting but i mean you got northern strains up there so i mean they i mean you got open water they eat if you find them they're pretty much bullet, bullet once they get fish. once they
0: get large mouth i feel like once it gets above 40 they bite pretty good uh, when it's below 40 it's it can be tough but smallies yeah you got open water they're biting that's awesome so we got one question here we're gonna take a quick one here Corey says besides the bfe what's your favorite uh, big bite bait
1: swim on no doubt on. so like i was a big fan of the uh, chatterbait a lot obviously in oklahoma even though there's not much grass i mean it's you know rock lay down stuff like that and the uh i use the zako a lot Mm -hmm. uh before they came out with the swim on a couple years ago and uh so this is honestly like the swim on is a pain in the butt to throw because it's got these little holes in the tail Mm -hmm. and it's like the perfect distance for when you make a roll cast about every 10 times one of those little holes will go around the hook and the thing is, though, the way the water displacement is when they got the proprietary rights to it, that swim on tail goes like that. And the only reason it goes like that, it's actually the same like holes that are in the kamikaze crawl mm-hmm. uh, too, which give it like a really good kicking action. But those holes like I, I don't know if you ever fall like a chatterbait like uh, uh, Ron Davis, the guy who invented the chatterbait. Originally, that bait is designed to blow out. It's designed for erratic action on fast. You put mm-hmm. a big. Plastic trailer on the back of it, like a Zeko and you're you're muting the action. You're basically making it harder for it to to blow out, which has I mean, obviously it has advantages. Look what freaking Brett Hyde has done with the thing, um, but that uh, less you know less bulk, less drag, and it allows you with that uh, with that uh, swim on to actually blow that thing out, and it actually kicks at a low. That's why a uh, like a a paddle tail or a Tech, or a pro swimmer or something on the back. If you'll ever notice on the back, like you would think it would be like do, 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 and then you get it, but it like actually counteracts that kick on a paddle tail. Um, so the swim on is like the only one that I found that actually has a really good swimming, kicking action while you're reeling the chatterbait in. Like I said, you just have to like unhook it off like every. I mean, sometimes you go 10, 15 minutes with it. But, you know, if you're skipping docks and stuff, it's like every 10 or 15 casts, but it's worth it. Because, I mean, as soon as you get that thing, yeah, like a jackhammer, do as soon as it starts going, that tail's kicking. So that's the one that I really, really like.
0: Yeah. Is there any any uses it besides the, like, use it for anything else?
1: Yeah, I'll put it on the back of a, uh, a big, like a three-quarter ounce War Eagle spinner bait. Uh, it works really good on the back of a spinner bait. And then, uh, also on the back of a swim jig, if you're just like straight reeling the swim jig, which I've got, I mean, I kind of was forced to learn a swim jig a lot on the Arkansas river this year, getting ready for that open and stuff. Um, I mean, it's not like a, you know, a big paddle like that. It's more of a streamlined, but, uh, I haven't tried it on the back of an A rig. I think it would be disastrous as far as those little holes getting hooked in the hook, but
0: yeah the one thing the way i think of the chatterbait and i, I used to use a lot of paddle tails, and not really come around to either like trimming them off or, or doing some different things or ones that have really tiny tails on mm-hmm. them that don't really so uh the best way is explained to me is if, if you if you shoot archery at all right if you don't have any fletchings on your arrow right that arrow will walk or walk right right and the more drag or fletchings you put on your trailer whether it's paddle tails or swimming legs it's going to straighten your chatterbait out and reduce
1: the act like a keel work is like right. a rudder
0: right so, so you, yeah if you it to hunt and blow out less is more
1: yep so yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of the swim on they just came out with a bunch of new colors i mean they got one that goes with that uh fire crawl sure and all sorts of different variations but i mean i don't even have any other chatterbait trailers in the boat so that one's definitely my favorite, favorite besides the bfe
0: favorite wacky rig bait from big bite
1: uh four-and-a-half-inch smoke purple uh, finesse worm.
0: Finesse worm, okay.
1: Cool. I mean, dude, like all finesse worms are the same. As yeah, long as you have it, like the zoo, the big, I mean, there's yeah. little variations in it or anything, but, I mean, just that that little profile on that wacky worm is really hard to beat. I mean, I fish it like a wacky worm. I'll actually, like, donkey rig it most of the mm-hmm. time uh, with a two-aught uh, straight shank. And then sometimes I'll go straight through if there's no cover and then just a sixteenth ounce nail weight in the front in the nose of it.
0: Sounds like a chicken rig or an eco rig, kinda. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Chicken rig, I think, is the name of is the yeah. deal. Ike's done yeah. a bunch of stuff on that. That's like deadly.
0: Yeah, they also made a uh one of their, is it a trick stick? Is that what theirs is called? Yeah,
1: they make a trick stick too, the, so they make one that's actually got an O-ring. Yeah, I was going to say they have an O-ring.
0: Yeah. Turned the way that I would actually want it. I haven't used them much, but they actually...
1: Yeah, so here's the thing, like, I honestly don't think I've ever wacky rigged a sinko or a stick bait or anything like that. Like, if I'm wacky rigging, I'm using a trick worm. Uh, you can also use that uh, like four and a half inch coontail worm that they have that's really mm-hmm. cool. It's kind of got like a like a spiral design around it. It's kind of a yeah. mix between like a uh yeah french fry and a finesse worm and like a lake fork ring fry deal um kind of all into one but yeah that that just a straight four and a half and then sometimes i'll go up to the six inch just the straight finesse worm
0: yeah the other bait that i think that's actually kind of cool that i'd use a little bit for flipping on the river and stuff is the swimming mama
1: yeah i haven't used that i have not i keep meaning to meaning to get some uh So I was, I, I had not used the Yo Mama for ever. And then I fished at Nichols like two years ago with my buddy and he like flipped up a seven seventy six on a Yo Mama out of grand in April. And he's like, yeah, it's the only thing I used to flip. So, uh, you know, I've been with big bite for just going into the the second year here now too, but that, uh, the Yo Mama is like really flat, has a really good, has a really when you need a little bit bigger profile has a really good glide to it
0: yeah which is their well time out
1: thank you monty 50 bucks yeah
0: thank you monty mcwilliams uh super appreciate that that's awesome love it uh huge shout out to you monty Uh, i know monty found me from the Bateman, so uh special shout out to to kevin baxter the Bateman too super awesome i watch all Uh, of this stuff that
1: dude's ridiculous he knows everything
0: yeah, like him that. and
1: Eric get together, it's just like mesmerizing.
0: Actually, next week, Epic Eric on this. Really, day. really,
1: yeah. I'm convinced. Let me let me see. He so could do the same. I'm convinced that I could go fishing for a weekend with Epic Eric, and he could change a bait every half hour for the entire weekend and never use a bait that I've heard of.
0: <laughs> Probably for sure. Awesome. Yeah, um, I'm distracted. I remember we were talking about. Monty, like, completely blindsided me. Um, I know.
1: Now you can finish your basement studio. It's like, hold it now. You, you're, you're thinking of all the stuff you can buy to put up in there and finish that thing off?
0: What was I even talking about? What were we talking about? Oh, the, the, we were talking about the Yo Mama. Uh, we were talking the,
1: basically about uh, the- Yo Mama and alternative, uh, alternative uh, baits from Big Bite.
0: Sure. Yeah. So that's basically their beaver. No, account. I've
1: never wacky rigged like a Cinco, like a thick, like so like what Jordan Lee did when he won the classic on Hartwell and stuff. Like I I've, I've, i can't even remember if I've ever wacky rigged like a five inch Cinco. Like if I'm wacky rigging, I wacky rig a trick worm. I, I mean, I'm not saying that there's any reason why I shouldn't. I just, I like the fall raid and all that stuff a little bit more finesse. I mean, if I'm doing that, I'm typically not looking for big bites. I'm looking to like catch a limit. And I feel like anything that would eat that Cinco is also going to eat a finesse worm as it goes past. That's why instead of like a 30 second, I'll go with a 16th ounce to kind of increase the fall rate. So you get all the benefits of the, the wacky worm and the visual bite, plus a little bit of the reaction bite with it.
0: Plus the Cinco's and stick worms are probably overdone. So you're giving them a slightly different look, right? I mean,
1: yeah. And, I mean, I'm throwing it on a, you know, spinning rod with 8 or 10-pound test leader.
0: And I know that's you're, the, like, a, I know you're a big grass guy now. Like, that's your new thing. Oh,
1: just huge. Just love yeah, grass. Just can't yeah. get enough Yeah. So, and I know the
0: BFE is good around grass. But up here in the north country, the craw tube is the juice flipping grass. Yeah,
1: that's got, like, a cult following to it. It's yeah. got the tube with the tube and then the little little yeah. uh, uh, claws out on the side. Yeah. So
0: good bait and actually because that actually was originally most popular as a lake fork bait
1: yeah
0: back in the day didn't uh didn't
1: yum also have one that was very similar to that
0: they had one but it was a little more craw like it actually was more craw like a little more okay. realistic and it was kind of small you couldn't really like texas rig and flip it okay
1: uh,
0: i think you had here's somebody asking about the new afco 3l i think you talked about that on btl like you have fished out of that and used that right the reaper the, jacket
1: yeah that thing is legit so um so i got a, a large it's 99 bucks it's it's well worth it when they have it in stock so here's a deal on that if you have the reaper you know like the original like just the normal like hooded sweatshirt reaper um with the collar that goes up like the turtleneck collar. So, you know, like if you're fishing, that thing's golden. If you're running, it's golden. If like you're in the truck or you're anywhere where it's not like sub 30 degrees, it's like the most annoying sweatshirt to have on because it's so warm. Like you're like, ah, oh, get this thing off. Um, and I was worried with the jacket that it would be, you know, tough to wear that. No, that's a little bit looser on the neck. There's a little bit more material there. Um, and I actually wore it this past week and I, uh, uh, fish two tournaments where I had a lot of time to uh, think about comfort because we weren't catching them. And uh, so the large um, don't uh, the large was definitely large uh, in that thing. Totally plenty of room It like zips completely up the side. I was kind of worried about like, can I get it on with a pullover? No, I mean, it's got uh, uh, pockets on the side and stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's 100% waterproof. Um, I mean, it got wet and I didn't get wet. But yeah, it's it's awesome. I think I have. I'll go grab one. Do you have time? I can go grab one if you sure, want me to. time. It's cool.
0: What's up, everybody? Yeah. Thanks for all the comments. Excited to see so many people in here. Uh, Michael Minnet, we will talk about the Elite
1: schedule for sure. That's definitely on my list of things to talk about. Here comes the uh, – I mean, I'm not like trying to turn this into an Afco ad or anything like that. But so here's the thing. So like my hands get like my hands get to the point. Like if you ever have it like that's uh, called like Raynaud's or something. I went to the doctor for it. And it's like once the blood vessels constrict or something, in it, you don't get good blood flow. And one of the things I really like about this that I didn't even know it had. It's like this pouch in the in the middle. So like there's the jacket there and there's a pouch down here and it goes all the way through so it's like a quarterback pouch like you see like Aaron Rodgers using and stuff
0: and then you can keep your bfe's in there and keep your hands warm yeah, at the same time
1: yeah but i mean so the the neck comes out of the jacket you know there's your turtleneck right there and it's just a little bit bigger and it's like waterproof um yeah i'm super happy with that thing how, how when would you they say have that, them in stock.
0: how would you say the sizing runs for afco
1: uh I'm a large in everything. And I'm six foot one eighty. Um
0: okay. This one person says they feel like it runs small, but I've never tried. I mean, yeah, they can.
1: I mean, I, I've got a large in this and it's all the room that I want in that three L I'm also not like wearing a ton of stuff underneath it though. You know, like I, I, you can wear a sweatshirt underneath it if you want, I guess you could double reaper it and then you just have the warmest neck in the league, but that'd be a bold move.
0: Double Reaper, wow! Yeah. yeah, the only thing I've got a couple of the like their hooded sweat, like the hooded long sleeves, like the I got several of those shirts.
1: Yeah, I mean, That's if you something. like to wear your stuff like baggy, like go up one size, definitely because like a large fits. But,
0: Actually, when you talked about that jacket on the show for hundred bucks, I was like this close to buying it, and I looked at the extended forecast for Pickwick, and it was going to be seventy all week, and I didn't get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it though. I mean, it's a it's a good deal.
0: So. Nice. Well, before we get into like all the questions, I think what people really want to know about is this big derby you have on Table Rock coming up next week.
1: Yeah, so it's uh it's just a it's just a uh, like a, a brand deal. They have like a, a meeting for one of the uh, kind of one of the, uh, the groups figures. that yeah, the distributors yeah. that kind of reps a bunch of different groups. And there's like eight to ten of the uh, anglers that are that are sponsored by some of their brands, and then the guys who work they have like a casting contest and then they get to pick who they get to fish with, but the guy's fishing it, it's like Justin and Mike McClellan and, uh, Jeremy lawyer and a couple, uh, uh Brad Hallman's going to be there. A couple guides up there, uh, Brian head from Denali. So, uh, there's some like bragging rights on the line. And I said, there's like prizes and there's like a Yeti cooler, like a griddle. I mentioned that on the show. I want to win the griddle. So, uh, Kind of like a bragging rights deal, but it's fun anytime you can get a s- small boat tournament like that together with I mean obviously the and Jeremy Lawyer and some of the other guys. I mean it's it's not like a show up and cash a check like you actually like I might go up and practice a day or two nice. just to not embarrass myself. But is this
0: gonna be is this gonna be an A rig deal or is
1: that not quite? A so here's the here's the thing: you can only use an A rig after one thirty in the afternoon. Two days of tournaments. They do like a meeting. Like I said there's only like nine guys because I mean they're yeah. and they're all like spread out, obviously, because of the day and time that we live in right now. But so you get in two days and it's you get three hours a day. You can use the A-Rig. Three hooks in Missouri, too. Nice. So three hooks, two tees. Because I, I, I didn't I have... realize that and I was getting it ready. I had my Hog Farmer seven wire, <laughs> 12 blade ready. <laughs> um, dude, that's the ticket right there. That is the A-Rig. And uh yeah, I'm gonna have to leave that one on the on the bench.
0: Yeah, but you know
1: the the arms and the the
0: teasers and the the blades, I think that's all a big deal. But the number of hooks, I don't really like I threw a little bit down on Wilson the day I didn't make the cut and like with mostly whites with a few largemouth, but like nine out of ten had that center one. You know what I mean? Like Yeah it's uh, it's amazing that 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 center or bottom one if you make it slightly different it doesn't matter if you have 3 hooks, 1 hook or 9 hooks you're still going to catch almost every one of them so
1: yeah that's weird how they target that i mean there's a lesson in uh there's a definitely a lesson there in and in tapping into that fish's like
0: primal instinct yeah
1: primal Boya. instinct on which one to hunt you got one a little further back, one bigger, one that's a different color i mean it's the same thing as like the wolves that kind of you know like call out that that caribou that's limping you know instead of all the healthy ones i mean that's the premise behind an a-rig is you're in the winter you're cold water it's a risk versus reward deal so if a fish has to expend energy like they're subconsciously saying hey if i have to track down this single bait fish that's swimming past my caloric intake is going to be way more than you know the benefit that i get from it so now if you have an A-Rig and they're slow and there's one that's wounded, they're like, okay, minimal effort, high chance of success, boom, there you go. Yeah. So in my opinion, that's why an A-Rig works so good and why you always have one or two that are either further back or different or a little bit different size gives them something to key on.
0: Yeah. Monty, good question. This is a really good question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, practice, and I think if you're doing it for the first time, take one of your like your factory visors and set it over the top of your other ones and trace it before you cut it, and you should. Be- you did a video on how to cut it. And There's you? two videos on my channel if you want. Yeah. To be,
1: so. Like you've done a tutorial on how to cut a perfectly good hat.
0: See, if your head was as big as mine, you wouldn't think they're perfectly good.
1: <laughs> Is that um, even the Richardson 112s don't fit?
0: Some of them are okay. I do have a uh, one Omnia one that fits pretty good, but most of them don't. So Although your hat's
1: like your head's head's hat's like tall, so that so the hat. Yeah, it's feels tall. So I
0: like wraps up. But this one's pretty good. This old Milwaukee one fits pretty good. Yeah. But most of them are like like they like wrap around my head. Yeah. Well, really you now if day. I tried
1: that one, I would look like Mario. Yeah.
0: Like know, how's this one? See, this is how most hats fit. Like they don't they ride really high, and my head is like touching
1: the top. Really? See, I can't wear that one that they gave us because that one's like. Right. The high hat yeah. club. Well, you just rock it like Todd on just
0: put the old cap <laughs> on just, like just, that just, like, you're, you're just barely together. just set her on there
1: <laughs> just 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 on there like a little gunfight might break out yeah. at any minute
0: now I'll just get AFCO shorts so I don't need to cut my pants that's all right <laughs> um so let's uh let's see where should we go um do You have any more? So outside of this Table Rock tournament, you got? Are you done for the season? Do you have any other? Uh,
1: I'll fish a, probably a couple jackpots on Conewago, yeah, on the Winter I'll League fish a ten killer jackpots, yeah. and just jump in some other stuff. But primarily, um, I'll take like a month and a half break, and I'll go crappie fish for the next month and a half. That's it's, what I do instead of hunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, funny, this is actually, so Bill, he's a good buddy of mine, Liz CrossFit, he's fairly into bass fishing, and this is interesting, because, like, I just assumed anybody that would watch my channel, or that was friends of mine, knew what BTL was, I was like, we were, we went up fishing Saturday, and I'm like, yeah, I'm having Panger on next week, and he's like, who? I was like, you know, BTL, Bass Talk Live, and he's like, I was like, yeah, so, I guess, so, so at times, like, you think fishing is so small, but it's also yeah. super, like, like, pocketed, like, uh, so... It's a niche sport. It's it's like for sure. Small, it's niche, but even like the people that are in it, it's still segmented, right? Like right. You uh, it's super interesting. Uh, so you're next year, you're planning to fish the opens again?
1: Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, the rumor, the rumor is that they're going back to three divisions. Okay. Um, which would mean nine tournaments. So this was the first year that they did the uh easterns and the central's four at each one with an overall. With an overall, which is obviously what's going on at what Lay Lake right now, Uh, trying to get the four eastern spots and then the four overall spots. And there are like what 40 guys that fished all eight of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping, and I actually did a big push on this uh, on BTL uh, and extolled the virtues of having as many overall spots as possible of guys who fish all eight or nine of them, depending on how many divisions there are to, to have that again. So if that's the case then yeah i'm fishing as many as there are um if there's not an overall i'll just kind of look at the schedules and see how it lines up but i'll fish two of the three divisions which would then only be six tournaments but man i'm hoping that if there are three divisions there's a nine tournament overall because i mean if you're legitimately like seriously trying to make the elite series and you're like oh fishing nine events at eighteen hundred dollars an event across the country is too much well you're not ready you like you why would you want to fish the elite series then like it's literally like an elite series schedule
0: Right. If, if you're so, only willing to fish four tournaments, you're not really prepared to make the leap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's what it is, is to offer. And I only fish one of the divisions, which was a big, you know, big mistake for me this year was by only fishing one of the divisions. Um, But uh, I mean, yeah, if you you have to be willing to freaking be all in and do that, if that's what you want to do for the foreseeable future. So hopefully they'll do the overall and I'll fish all that. Um so,
0: did you not sign up for all eight because you weren't sure? Were you no, questioning yourself? Because like, it was like the...
1: January in Florida and my season didn't get over until November at Cumberland in 2019. And then I didn't really know what was going on there as far as FLW and the FLW tour going on. And by the time all this, that stuff got sorted out, it was already like a wait list in that yeah. one. And if I'm going to start the year in Florida in January, that's like a real good way to get your butt kicked. If you're not like chill with going down there and knowing it, but now that so that you wanted flipper, to go to, yeah,
0: no worries. So, yeah,
1: I mean the joke, the joke there for people who don't listen to BTL is I never really fished grass until this year. And then ironically cash a check on both Neely Henry and pardon, uh, Sam Rayburn by fishing grass. So,
0: so I got one question from uh, my buddy, uh gaff on instagram he said what was the most intimidating challenging experience fishing in the open so far and what lesson what was your biggest lesson from this year's experience
1: um there wasn't anything that was intimidating by it i mean i'd fished two divisions of the coast and one of the things um one of the things that's i think works in my favor is so the professional fishing industry is the only thing i've ever done since i was 22 years old um, and I went to every single Elite Series from 2008 to 2017, 2018. So, like, I've room with these guys. I've been around these guys. And, like, I know, like, they suck sometimes. They catch them sometimes. They're really good sometimes, but they're just, like, dudes. Like, even the dudes are just dudes uh, that fish. So, like, there wasn't really an intimidation factor. And then also the cool thing is,
0: I did a lot of on the
1: water coverage for 10 or 11 years. Like I did live with Mark Jeffries where we did like a firewire cable and went live on, on Bass Zone before Bassmaster did it. I've shot photos and videos. So I've been out on 50, 60 of these different lakes. I mean, all the way from the California Delta to Champlain to Florida to uh, Amistad. I mean, literally all the lakes that they've been to, I've been out on in a lot of different conditions. So um, there wasn't really a, that intimidation factor at all for that couple with, I mean, I had some success last year in the, in the, uh, Costa series. So it was, it was a different feel this year. Cause it wasn't just like, so I fished the opens in 2015 and it was like, Hey, let's fish the opens. I thought it would probably help just to get an understanding, being able to talk on BTL podcast of knowing what it was like going through it. Um, And then after last year and just how things were progressing, like I've always wanted to fish, but I've always also wanted to be super respectful of working on my career while covering the guys who are actually doing it. Because, I mean, man, it's hard to get there. It's hard to do it. And those guys who have made it and get there, I mean, they deserve all the freaking credit they can get and all the coverage they can get. So um, I just kind of waited till the time was right and then just was like I'm going to – jump in a hundred percent of it and not really cover the on location stuff and just do BTL and fish. So it was definitely just a different mindset this year for me, like just going to do a job. Like I didn't look at it as like, Hey, let's enjoy this or let's see how it goes or anything. It was like, okay, I've got a tournament in a month and a half. What can I do today to help me get ready for something in a month and every single day and work up for it. And then as soon as that one was over, it was on to the next one. So I looked at it more as, literally like going in and doing a btl show i tried to take the opens like that too just cheat just little steps every single time and then by the time you get there you're just like ready to roll
0: yeah Would you except say for any- lewisville <laughs> is there any big difference between the costas and the, the opens in your opinion
1: yeah boat pressure i mean i got i mean we've all seen what the what the numbers are boat wise oh they went to eight divisions this year i know they're going back to six last year but i mean i kind of got in 2019 kind of got like the end of <clears throat> i guess like the big boat fields in the costas right. so uh i mean do to the top 10 in like the costas or the ever starts or the Stren series was like a big deal you go back and look at i mean just like go back and look at like mid 2000s all the mm-hmm. way up until like 2017 16 you're dealing with like 200 plus boats and like just some Jammer Fields, like every single local because of how good the payout was. And I kind of got the tail end of that. So there's like 130, 140 boats in most of those tournaments. I mean, dude, you get on Raven, 225 boats, 180, 190 on the Arkansas River. Like just the biggest difference is there's just like there's nothing easy. In the opens, because like everybody does the Google Earth, everybody has the connections, everybody's there, and then the guys who jackpot it, like you know, they're and, and that happens on the coast as too. But I mean, dude, you just add an extra hundred boats, especially on the smaller fisheries that we went to this year, minus Sam Rayburn. But a lot of guys were condensed into one kind of mid lake area there on the bridge. But I'd say that's the biggest difference is you just every day you see people, and when you don't see people. It's either really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. And I experienced both of that this year. Like, I mean, like literally where you're just like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with this area? Like I'm catching them, but no one is around me. And then the vice versa where you're like, oh, well, this area is too good because I'm catching them. And there's tons of people around. So.
0: is it tough to sit back and watch other people fish and compete while you cover it?
1: No, no, I liked it. I mean, my, I mean, what's your option office job, do something else. Right. I mean, so a I'm learning. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, like I, I totally get used to it. Like I understand how guys could be like, Oh, I could never do that. But, um, like I said, that's the only thing I did for 10 years. And I still, you know, fish tournaments and bass nation and stuff on the side and competed a lot, you know, but, Um, you just kind of get into that mindset, a different mindset, uh, when you're covering a tournament.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you ended up with like 20 something in points on the, the yeah,
1: 25th. I went into the last one in, uh, 14th, I think, and then ended up 25th or 26th, about 21 spots too low. Right.
0: (laughs) So, so how many points was that
1: like overall in the end? Uh, I think I had like 600 and two let me pull it up here because i had it pulled up because i was looking at all of it so i ended up with 602 points right now fourth place is 688 points but then you start doing double qualifier so if christy double qualifies or kenta or mark frazier then you're dealing with uh hackney gleason browning swindles double qualifier Bregson. and now you're down to 670 points um so yes yeah, i was i mean I needed. I finished ninety first. I'd finished thirtieth. I'd have been sniffing it. Right. You Probably like, really disappointed. So there's like a silver lining to this. So like I'm kind of glad that I didn't finish like thirty fifth or fortieth. Because I mean I, I dumped a, good one at Rayburn. Like I literally dumped it at the boat on a drop shot like a six pounder like while, as I was reaching my hand out to get it. And, uh, I, I didn't put this in my video, but I like looked at, uh, I looked at my co-angler and I said, that fish that we just saw right there. I said, that was my elite series. And it was, I finished 38th in that. And I did the math I, as I weighed in a 14 pounder that day I'd have finished like 14th or 15th with, with just that fish.
0: 14 inch, so, not 14 pounder.
1: 14-incher yeah. <laughs> yeah did I say pounder yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I had a 14-incher so a six pounder so that's like a four probably about a four and a half pound difference right. and uh I mean that fish for like months and I didn't like wreck me or anything I literally was like hey came off it wasn't meant to be I fought it it was down in a brush pile it came up I thought I had it I mean it just came off fish come off um but I mean I touched it I touched the fish and I was like god I really hope it doesn't come down to like 15 to 20, 25 points. So silver lining is that fish didn't cost me anything. That would have been a hard one to swallow, like to sit there and know like, and and dude, guys are like, I mean, guys think about all those guys that have done that, like to win a classic or to make the classic or to re-qualify or to qualify for the elite series. There's a bunch of guys that like live with ghosts, man. Like I'm sure you, do you, did you have anything? like Actually at the a, national championship at,
0: would you at pickwick i fish, fish clean
1: yeah so there you go like you're just like damn i didn't get another bite. i really
0: like that i was much more at peace this time than last time like last time when i was on the Watchtower river and i just didn't catch them but i was around guys and i just i i could all 14 hours home was thinking about like why didn't you do this and why didn't you fish there and why mm-hmm. didn't you fish like this and like this time it's just like it. Just feel like it just didn't happen. Like I yeah, just that's how like I a... felt
1: at Louisville at the end at the end of this year. I mean, my co angler literally had nine eight behind me on the first day and was leading the tournament. I'm fishing around Keith Pochet, who was as cool as he could be, going, dude, whatever you need, man. Like you want to go past me, you want to fish it, go wherever you need. We know I know what you're fishing for. Like he was super chill, and I had one bite and he had twelve pounds and my co angler had nine eight and I had one for two eight. Like mm-hmm. if it was meant to be, like. You jam those three that your co-angler has, and now I have 12 on the first day. I go out and scrounge up five pounds on the second day. Bam, there it is. Oh, my God, you did what you needed to do. Instead, I come in with one fish, and it's like, dude, I literally was less than a foot away from every single fish that my co-angler caught. And he was mellow as heck, man, mellow as heck. Didn't even get in my way, was like waited till I was done flipping, just totally kicked my butt. But I'm yeah. chill with it. I made the right decision was around the right fish. So that's all you can do.
0: Yeah. My only regret is on day two when it, when I got bluebird that maybe I didn't whip out a Neko rig or something like that and slow down in a couple areas, but
1: right. Other but then here, So here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. Let's say you, you pull out a Neko rig and you slow down in the areas and you don't get bit. You're like, well, I'm an idiot. Like I was in the top 10 after day one power fishing. And I guarantee if I'd have kept throwing that spinner bait, I'd have gotten one or two more to react. And instead I slowed down. Like, why did why would I you know what I'm saying? Like you can always look at a flip side of that.
0: Yeah, I mean I am just saying, like, I wish I would have gave it 20 minutes.
1: Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. tried it for a little bit. Uh, Don wants to know, was your co-anger throwing anything different than you?
1: He was literally throwing the same thing, same weight, same line, everything. Yeah. He just kicked my butt out of the back of the boat. His theory was that I was agitating him by only flipping in there two or three times. So when he flipped in there the fourth and fifth time, they were like, okay, fine. I'm going to bite it, which then caused me to really slow down. And then I fished about four laydowns in an hour. Didn't get bit out of them. I said it's just fishing is one of the few things where sometimes the best, like you have to be honest with yourself. You have to realize whether you screwed up something mentally or physically like some variable that you could have controlled that you didn't. But if you know, you were within your head and you know that all the uncontrollable variables were controlled and you know, you put in the homework that you thought you needed to put in and made the moves that you needed to thought, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like I can live with that a hundred percent. For sure. It's if one of those elements isn't there, that's where you have to go back and be like, okay, This is, I mean, you're trying to make the elite series or you're trying to win the national championship. Why didn't I respool? Why didn't I change that hook? Why did I speed up instead of fish out of my comfort zone? But as long as you did all that stuff, I mean, it's fishing.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's definitely tournaments, though, that you you do something, you don't prepare, you don't respool, you don't rig the baits, you don't practice the way you, you know, and then that's when you like, that's when I feel like, yeah. I had this at the state tournament where I finished 11th. That what I'm not. The day before the tournament, I re-spooled brand new line, sunline, 20 pound on my dock rod, and uh, you know they come in those bulk little those little plastic little cups, right? With the lids on them for sunline. Yeah. So I, I like flipped it over in my box and I just like spooled it, but I turned it sideways and let it sit in there so it wouldn't like roll around in my boat compartment. Well, it turns out the edge of that little plastic container is a lot sharper than you think it is. <laughs> It created a bunch of bad spots in my line, and I broke off twice. Yeah, that's not good. No, no, I mean like that, that's, that wasn't like I didn't realize it, right? Right. So now I I know now I won't do that again. But it was like yeah, right. that was a tough lesson to learn.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is the coast. So like I had the coast last year on uh, Table Rock, and it was stupid easy to catch a fish there. Like mm-hmm. it was the week before that BPT went yeah. there and everyone caught like a gazillion fish and they set every record. Like you could literally go down any bank on the entire lake and throw whatever you wanted and catch two pounders. Like it, it was that stupid. Like on a Roman main negotiator, I caught a spot, small mouth and large mouth in a five minute time span out of two bushes. Like that's how good it was. I was like, that's never going to happen again. Anyway, I come in with 10 pounds on the first day. And I'm in 99th place. And I was throwing a, I was throwing that little wacky worm and I was in the docks and the braces and they're hitting it on the fall. So I know it's a reaction bite and they're way back in the corners where I can catch the largemouth, And I'm throwing seven pound test. Like I knew it. Like I know I I might've made a comment to my co-angler like, man, typically when they're like this with cross braces, I throw 12. And sure enough, I hook a four and a half pounder with like an hour and a half left and I get him out and he goes right into a cross brace and I break him off. I mean that was just a dumb move. It would have taken me five minutes, three minutes to sit down, retie a leader with 12. And then I retie it with seven and I break another one off. Day two, I retie it with 12, do everything right and have almost 15 pounds and end up cashing a check. I jump from ninety ninth to thirty third. Well, I a hundred percent make the final day, the top ten. Doing that on Table Rock, if I'm not an idiot and I'm fishing with seven pound test and that stuff, like that, yeah. like that, that still pisses me off, Rich. Yeah,
0: could have been, could have been twelve. He might still broke you off on twelve, but at least you. Would no, he wouldn't hard have hard. broke
1: me off on twelve because I could have stopped him. So, yeah, but I learned that lesson the hard way, at yeah. Gunnersville in the regional and 15 when I had like a six pounder on eight pound test or 10, that was 10 pound test on a drop shot around a dock. And then the next day I put 15 on hooked another six and said, well, he ain't going to get me back in the dock. And I turned them. And that was when I realized I need, when you're around that stuff up the line when they're hitting it on the fall. But I momentarily forgot it that day. That's the type of stuff that bugs me, man. Yeah,
0: for sure. The stuff that you know
1: better and then you continue to do it. Like how often you throw a crankbait and you're like a little hook like a hook point gets rolled over and you're just like you like still make another cast before you sharpen it.
0: Or you uh, the- or it gets opened up on a fish and you decide instead of changing it, you decide to just tweak it back with your players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You can do that when you're fishing the the Tuesday nighters and the, and that kind of stuff. But when you're fishing yeah. for that's uh when you're when you're on a qualification path or you're Fishing for $1,000 entry fees. That's the stuff you can't get lazy on for sure. Ugh. Well, here's a one. Qu- do you know what that little crankbait Hallman likes to throw in the fall? I do you know. Not. What he's talking about. So I think, think I just saw a video on this. I think he showed it on maybe one of Scott's videos. I think it's a 1.0 square bill. I'm not sure who makes it. It might be a Lucky Strike or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's a 1.0. M- might be a Strike King. I don't know. But uh, if you go. Search Scott Martin, like, secret. It's one of his practice videos. He gets Hallman, and uh, he gives up a Juicy, and Upshaw, they all give, like, a sneaky tip, and I'm pretty sure he talks about it in that video, Don. There you go. Uh, you going to fish the U.S. Open in 21?
1: As schedules allows it. I still want to be the only guy to win it from the AAA and the pro side. So I got the AAA down because of dumb luck and good draws in 2018. I like that lake though. That lake is so freaking cool. I was going to fish it this year. And then obviously with the COVID everything happened. and then Billy from uh, one bass and and is, I really like the way he runs it. And then also uh, Rick and the guys at Bass Cat are, are really making a push to kind of cement themselves out on the West coast and really show some love to those guys on the West coast with Bass Cat and get it established out there. So uh, you see a lot of guys that, that, I mean, it's a, commitment to go out there to drive out there i mean Mm -hmm. 20 hours and all that and uh but you're seeing a lot of guys that are putting that into their yearly rotation um home and you know being one of them and uh yeah it's a it's a special tournament it's cool it's a lot you can do a lot more power fishing than i realized out there uh especially if you go to you know the over overton arm and stuff like that but you can do whatever the heck you want out there it's so
0: cool yeah seems like a cool place yeah top two colors of the BFE.
1: Uh definitely BTL is one of the colors. And I just think uh where you're putting it, especially around shade lines and stuff, um it, it just has enough transition between the black top and then that kind of chartreuse streak down it and then the June bug on the bottom. It's just a good imitator of pretty much whatever you want to imitate. And then I really like tilapia magic with Mm -hmm. a chartreuse tail on it. Those are definitely my two favorite colors. Definitely when it's sunny out that tilapia magic with the chartreuse tail is a great, great color to flip. That's what I was flipping at Neely Henry was the tilapia magic with the chartreuse tail. And then at uh, Rayburn, uh, I was flipping the BTL color um, and then at the Arkansas River, I was also flipping the BTL color.
0: Yeah, I like that color wasn't available. Well, that's the color I really wanted. Was that Flappy Magic? Yeah. Do you only you know anything about the Basscat two hundred three hybrid? Have yeah. So, um,
1: obviously, one of the uh, I, I have not been in one uh, yet. I've actually seen a couple of them though. Um, it's the. Is it the 210 hole or the 208 hole? One of the old. Anyway, so Champions got that old cult following of guys who um, absolutely love the Champions and what uh, Bass Cat did was actually buy that hole and then they're putting either a uh, Puma or a Cougar top cap on, kind of depending as your layout. So uh, you basically get a that Champion ride with the top cap of the... Uh, of the bass cat and all the features of the bass cat on the top. So, uh, I mean, it's not going to go, you know, 78 to 80. (laughs) It's very low, low seventies boat, but it's going to feel like that old champion. So, um, I've talked to a couple of guys who have them. There's uh, a few out there already. And it's it's the real deal, especially if you're in that bigger water and you like that champion back there in the nineties and two thousands.
0: Yeah. Cool. So let's let's talk about the uh, let's talk about Lay Lake and what's happening and what's going on down there. So William Jackson brings up a good point. He says you guys see Scott Martin definitely needs to catch him better tomorrow, um, which is true. But I guess one of my like I I have my opinion. I, I think yours probably echoes mine. But there's a lot of people that still think that like Scott Martin somehow is going to make it if he doesn't qualify, and he thinks like some of these other people like Brad Hallman and Randy Blockett and some of these other like big names and veterans might get spots. What, do, what is your thoughts? Do you think Bass is going to go do anything weird like they did t- three years ago?
1: Um, No, I don't. I don't. Uh, does that mean they won't? No, there's a possibility they can do whatever they want. When I sign a contract, there's a little thing in the bottom of the contract that it signs. It says, this is what you're abiding to and we can basically do whatever the hell we want. That's what everyone agrees to. <laughs> so, right. I mean, if they want to add Joe, the cat fisherman off the bank, they can do that, and it's totally fine with them. I mean, that's in their, that's in their rules. That being said, I know that just with uh, conversations with some elite series veterans, guys who stuck around, people who work at Bass, um, and, like, none of this is the Bible. This is just kind of the feel that I get.
2: The vibe. Um,
1: there's a sense of loyalty there to those guys that have kind of been through this whole transition that started in 2018 and um, to kind of just start throwing other guys in. And I realized they had to do that when they added the eight or nine guys um, from the uh, FLW tour. But I mean, dude, they had to fill a field um, also. And this is a business and I know you could have gone down 15, 20 down the open list, but I mean, dude, you've got, forcewood cup champs and three-time angler of the years and former classic champs and guys who are sitting there with names. And I mean, you have to have a a competitive field that's going to, you know, bring sponsors in and and draw attraction. Not saying that uh, the guys you don't haven't heard of don't yet, but I mean, dude, you had to compete against the Bass Pro Tour in the first year. And I thought they did a hell of a Mm -hmm. job doing that in 18. I say that to get to all this, they've had a couple years past that now. And this group is, really molded together. Like there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of pride uh, at what that group of 85 elite series guys uh, has done over the past couple years. And Bass has been pretty adamant as far as, you know, there might be a legends exemption here or something like that, but um, you know, no one is getting dropped this year because of the COVID year. And then they're adding uh, 12 guys, um, at least, maybe 13 or so. It just kind of depends. Uh, so that's 95. So now you're up kind of more towards 100, getting, pushing that number. So I I don't think that they want to kind of upset that apple cart of the guys that they've told, hey, we appreciate you sticking around. We appreciate you here. This is what we're building, and it's called the Elite Series. I mean, there's a qualifying process for that, and you're also talking about letting guys in who left um so would it be quote good for business yeah i can totally see how you could make that and guys would kind of complain about it for a little bit but hey you get big name big name big name but at, at what cost to the integrity of the league i mean like in all honesty that was one of the problems that i thought flw faced for so many years um wasn't the big field size but it was the ranger back door where you know you have the right boat and you call the right number, you're on the tour.
0: And you never and, may have never fished a coaster and ever start in your life. Yeah,
1: you're like, well, where did this guy come from? And you start looking up the stats and then, you know, they wouldn't drop anyone and stuff. So, yeah, you had your David Dudley's and your uh, Brian Thrift's and Scott Martin's and Jacob Wheeler. You had all these incredible guys that we're now seeing. I mean, back in the days, you know, Randall Thar, I mean, Bobby Lane's. Look at all the guys who came there. It's, uh, it's unbelievable how many talented anglers are at FLW. But the – Perception was, well, anybody can fish that if you have the money and you call the right number at the right time. So I think that's what the Elite Series is trying to to keep it and keep it the Elite Series. So would it be shocking if Scott Martin had a way in? No. Do I think he does? No. Do I think he's freaking out right now? Knowing like, oh my God, I need to catch 12 pounds tomorrow. Or I gotta do this whole thing again. Yeah. Do I think he's lobbied to get on there regardless of what happens in the points? Absolutely. Um but, dude, I think there's a good chance if he's not in the top four, he's not going to be on the Elite Series.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the only way
1: – I'm not saying he wouldn't be, and I'm not saying it's wrong if he isn't. Because right. business-wise, that guy's good for Bass. He's good for the Elite Series. He's good in the Bassmaster Classic trying to do what his dad with nine anglers a years couldn't do, which was win a Bassmaster Classic. He's good at having the kids coming out to the weigh-ins and what he does on his social media. I mean, the dude is a freaking rock star. He's redefined and revolutionized the impact that you can have with your companies and in the sport. Absolutely.
0: And likewise, it could be good business to have him spend another year in the Opens before he makes it.
1: Yeah, but not for him.
0: Not for him. But <laughs> like no,
1: But, but Scott's
0: not going to – I mean, Scott – doesn't need the elite series right like if he had to fish i mean it's not like he's gonna you know go broke yeah i mean like, yeah people are
1: gonna watch his videos because it's the opens and not the elite series but dude like right. scott wants to be on the dang elite series rich
0: oh for sure i oh, know i get that i hundred percent the only way i see maybe if he was like really close and they decided well we'll give hackney a legends exemption to roll down a spot or something like that because hackney's in AI, right? Like maybe, yeah. maybe but he's got to be really close. Like there's but no that's way that not he finishes like, because
1: that's in the easterns. Right. I'm just saying, so like an in the centrals. Like, But I also think that they want to keep that field size right at a hundred and not balloon it. So let's say they don't cut any, and then they add another twelve. Now you're up to hundred and ten guys, right. no, and now yeah. you've got to call it back down. So if you can save a couple of spots by having Hackney in number two, you know, I think they do that. I don't. I, I, I don't I, think.
0: I really think he has to make it. I
1: agree. Yeah. I, Cause
0: like, I, cause like, I think if you let Scott Martin in, then you look at the guys like, I mean, there's a bunch of guys: Hallman, Latimer, Upshaw, Blockett, right? They're like, what the, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, here's the other question. What's the special if you let treatment, Scott like, Martin
1: in, mm-hmm. what are you saying to Drew Benton and Chris Saldane mm-hmm. and Bill Lowen and those guys who stayed? And why do you have the openings?
0: Exactly. Yep, so like I agree. said,
1: do I think it's it would be bad if he got on? Absolutely not. Would I blame Bass for doing it? No. Would I blame Scott for taking advantage of it? No. I think it's completely understandable and probably is the smart thing to do to get that man on the Elite Series no matter what.
0: Yeah. But and, and, and the people that go back to three years ago, like BPT dealt a major haymaker to bass when they like split and gutted the field and so bass had to like weather the storm and i think they more than have done that and they're back on their feet if not on the upper hand to some degree now yeah so, i don't
1: think anything that happened i don't think you can like go right, back rationalize exactly. anything that happened in 2018 you had a scramble for survival on everyone's part you had the perfect storm that that made a lot of disgruntled anglers towards the end of that last elite series season. Remember with that debacle that went on on the Chesapeake and whether they cancel it and whether they reschedule it and everybody had practiced. And then there was rumors of this. And I think it was just the catalyst for something that got kicked off a little early. And then everyone went into scramble mode on all, all accounts. So I don't think you can look back and say, oh, well, you did this there. Like, I honestly don't think anyone really had a freaking plan. I think they're just going with. Right. This gets us through this week. This gets us through this exactly. week. This gets us through this week. So now you're starting to see that stuff settle out. For sure. And it's not unique to bass fishing. It's happened in lacrosse. Mm-hmm. It's happened in the professional rodeo circuit. It's happened. Uh, it's happening in tennis. It's happening in golf. I mean, there's it in almost every single individual sport. You will see this kind of fraction segmentation changing different things. I mean, look, look at, uh, and sometimes it's been wildly successful. Like look at, uh, look at the, uh, PBR that split. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, uh, that, that ride in the PBR that aren't at the NFR finals right now. I mean, that was a segment fractured thing. I mean, it's, it, it happens in everything. So it's not just like, Oh my God, look what just happened in fishing. Like do a little research. You can just like, Google it up, and you're like, "Oh my God!" There's like mass chaos in all these yeah. individual sports of of uh, you know, player owners and leagues and guys who get banned and all this craziness that goes on. I don't yeah. know where we were going with that. that was a no, we were talking ban. about
0: the elites and just kind of like. And so I think, and then people keep talking about legends exemptions. Yeah, it's happening. Very-
1: surfing, yeah. Eric says, "Yeah, it's <laughs> happening." Professional surfing.
0: There you go. So if people keep talking about these legends. There's not that many people that qualify for the legends exemption. And most of them that do are like part owners and BPT. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like there's only a few, right? And I think I've heard this, I don't know if you've heard the same, that to take the legends exemption, you need to be like fishing bass. I've heard that, or they really would prefer that like yeah. you notice that pollinic swindle. They all signed up for the Opens before they got accepted into their Legends exemption. So, and then they uh, both
1: fished both divisions of the Opens the year after right. they got back. So I wish I didn't like brush off on the 2020 rules, but I know um, in the past for the Legend exemption, it first went to anglers who were active anglers competing at the Open level. Then if you didn't get to any Legends exemptions there, I think then it went to anglers who were still actively competing or maybe then it went to number of classics and angler of the years combined. So like, I mean, if no one in the opens was fishing it and Roland Martin sitting there with nine anglers of the years, they're like, Hey Roland. And then it just kind of worked down that list, but definitely priority went to guys who are currently active in, in bass. Right.
0: And so like, and a lot of people are talking about Ike and I don't even know if Ike wants to, like he's, it seems like he's in a really weird place right now, but um, so, Mike knows I, exactly
1: where he is, Rich.
0: Right. Well, he doesn't. Like, he's – yeah, right, that's a good point. He knows, but he's not letting it on. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if he figured out a way or if he wanted to. I mean, I think they would take him if he wanted to. What would but, you yeah. give your
1: percentage? What is your percentage that Mike Iconelli is on the Bassmaster Lead Series when things kick off?
0: That's a good question because, like like you said, he, he knows where he wants to be and he knows right. where he wants to be. I'm asking but your I,
1: opinion just as a am no, just, just saying, like, Because
0: I – it's a little bit cloudy because what I like to see him, yes, but I'm not so sure that he doesn't want to devote his time to his other ventures, right? I don't know. Maybe he's—I don't know where his head's at. I, to me, it's fifty-fifty. But
1: that's good. What, what about you? What do you think? I'll go fifty-fifty
0: with you. Oh, nice. Play up. <laughs> but it's—he's hard to read. It wouldn't shock yeah. me either way if he like decides he's going to go all in on doing these like you know video deals and TV type series and he probably could make a lot more money honestly doing that than he could fish in the elite series but yeah um yeah matt the cox elite schedule i don't think i talked to matt in the pre-show neither one of us studied to see if there's any conflicts but we're guessing there probably is not gonna happen uh but if there is a way i'm sure he'll figure it out Uh, is there this is heavy here with all the fracturing and fishing does matt think there's a path forward in order to grow the sport of fishing
1: We don't want to get into the grow the sport. <laughs> we,
0: you can go back and watch the last six weeks of uh, BTL replays and talk about growing. I went
1: on a massive off-air rant with Mark <laughs> about that. You, know, you want the you want the Cliff Notes version of it? I mean, dude, sure. I think about this stuff a lot. Here's a Cliff Notes version of it. So, growing the sport means taking people who are who not coach. involved in the sport introducing them to the sport, and then making them participate in that sport on a regular basis. Would you not agree?
0: Participate or become an engaged fan.
1: Which leads to participation.
0: Well, it doesn't have to be. Like, you could – like, fantasy football is a good example of an engaged fan that follows closely but doesn't. I mean, I'm just saying, okay, like, so it could what, be other what ways. What
1: value is there an engaged fan if they're not bringing – money into that resource that an engagement so is more likely like a nfl guy you get him into the nfl what's he gonna do he's gonna ask for a seahawks hoodie for christmas right he's gonna download the sports package so his fantasy team is better so he's still spending money on that right Right. but it may not so
0: be spying senkos it can be spending money but yeah you, you need to spend money towards yeah. the sport in some way whether They're it's the like service or buying a, a license. Apparel, whatever.
1: Yep. Anything. So here's my thing. So I said this to Mark off air. I said, This is this is bugging me, Mark. I said, When you got into bowling as a kid, I said, Did you just say, You know what? I like bowling. I saw it in the newspaper. I saw it on TV. Mom, take me down to the bowling alley. I want to learn how to bowl. And then you went down there and you were by yourself and you started bowling, bowling, bowling. Then you got good and you joined the league. He's like, Yeah, that's kind of how it went. I said, Really? I said, there wasn't anybody in your bowling life like a mentor or something? He's like, oh, yeah. He said, I went my by myself, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then this guy came up the second time, and he was my mentor in bowling. And he's the one who kind of taught me how. I can't remember his name, what, what Mark said. And I said, so you had a guy who once you went, once you got that initial thing, he was your mentor. He took you under your wing, right? And I, he said, yeah. I said, okay. So I said, if you really want to grow the sport, I said, it has nothing to do with, it it, it doesn't have anything like the only first step is to get them to go fishing once. But if you really care about growing the sport, you need to take that kid who obviously can't cast a Zebco 33 and his bobber's on upside down and he's using a hot dog on the bank when you launch your boat, you need to take him and become his mentor then, because that's a kid who's going to go once or twice. There's no one around. He doesn't have anyone. He's not going to catch anything. And he's going to go, this sucks. Even if he saw it on TV and Ike going Ike and Kevin catfishing and all that. If you're really interested in growing the sport, find those kids or find those people or your buddy, it could be your neighbor or something, take them under your wing and become their mentor. So growing the sport then has to do with taking the people who have an interest and then taking them under your wing and growing it that way by teaching them about it, not just introducing them to it. You see what I'm saying there? Like that's where the true growth of the sport is, is in creating a meaningful connection with someone who knows nothing about it.
0: Right. And so really, I mean, like, so yes, like you could argue like getting on Fox, getting on Discovery is good. But if guys like us don't help them, right right like, it's a multi-step
1: sh- process right
0: yeah or the like kids the don't get
1: introduces in- it but then if you as a as a bass angler and that goes back to you every time a guy wins a classic someone asks them what do you feel like your responsibility or duty is as a classic winner now and you'll have guys who will say you know i really want to do this this and this i want to represent the anglers i want to do this i want to and you'll have other guys that'll be like what do you mean bass tournament. I'm going to cash my check and I'm going <laughs> to go do the same thing again and try You're to win to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of individual on each angler, but I mean the that growing the sport takes place at the grassroots level once the initial introduction is made. Because otherwise you have a bunch of people who go do it, won't well, like it. Okay, like if I like golf, I saw golf, I wanted to golf. I went to the putting green two or three times when I was 12 years old. There was a doctor who was on the putting green who was like, hey, man, like, what's your deal? And I was like, I don't know. I want to golf. My dad showed up to pick me up, and he's like, hey, I'll teach your kid how to golf. Man, that's why I love golf now, because that guy saw me at the putting green. I mean, I suck at it, but it's a passion. I spent hundreds of hours golfing at great times because that dude was on the putting green, you know, practicing for the Thursday night men's league, and I was a 12-year-old that didn't have anyone to teach me. Yeah. He got me into the sport. He helped grow the sport of golf. It's more about passing
0: knowledge, whether it's like yeah. you're taking them fishing, you do like things like Fluke Master have done things like the Gugans have mm-hmm. done where they've really breaking it down at the basic level. So people like if they don't know somebody, there is a there are resources on the Internet, YouTube, things like that to get enough to maybe be successful in one of your first times fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff that grows the sport for sure. Like
1: growing the sport, like any type of growth takes energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like look at a plant, look at anything like growth takes a whole lot of energy and focused energy because like everything is is like chaos and disintegration to actually like grow something takes an immense amount of energy in the perfect conditions so like yeah it's a slow process that takes if you truly care about growing it it's not like boom we're on fox the sport is grown no the freaking seed is planted then it's up for the people who are in it to grow it from there
0: yeah, so do you, My opinion. asks, Do you think YouTube grows the sport yes or no?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. YouTube grows the sport because that's taken the place of a surrogate mentor in many cases. I mean, look at it. So like the tournament hardcore tournament videos. Let's take Brandon's videos. Like Brandon's videos kick ass, right? Sorry, I don't know. can we say that on your channel? Rich, you did you just lose did you just lose live stream dollars? Oh, you, you are drinking. Okay. What are you drinking by the way? Is that a Northern deal? It's a green belt premium light. Never heard of that. It's tasty. What is that like similar to something? It's just a logger. It's like a domestic oh, okay. lager. Um, so Brandon's videos, awesome. What 30,000, 40,000 views on that? Like a how to tie a palomar knot video? Like, go look at those videos. Those have right. hundreds of thousands of views. That's like the surrogate mentorship right there.
0: Like, I really like uh, the Hallman High like the like bradley's
1: yeah absolutely high school
0: fishing like that's the kind of stuff like
1: 100 but just the basics and stuff have tons of freaking views how to rig a texas rig what a carolina rig is
0: yeah there's a ton of channels like you know we're, we're really bass heads but like every once mm-hmm. in a while just because i'm like interested in the whole youtube thing i'll go look at these like fishing channels and there's guys that just <clears throat> fish off the bank way more stuff. way
1: more views because that's way their, more views
0: because that's it's like, their
1: surrogate mentor because they can relate to that because they've gone and fished off the bank and gone damn i don't know how to catch a fish off the bank but here's someone who's catching a fish off the bank that i can learn from
0: saltwater drum if it's a cat exactly a they carp, just want their doesn't, string doesn't want stretch
1: fish. That, absolutely exactly. we're like in this vortex that's so tournament bass fishing tournament bass fishing tournament bass fishing and you don't even realize how how central, how centric it is, how small it is, what a small field of people you're impacting. I mean, to get good at something, you have to do that. I mean, you have to be totally like that. But, I mean, there's a whole other world of people who bass fish out there who don't understand any of that. <laughs> I mean, dude, there's a ton of people who don't even know how guys get in the Bassmaster Classic.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I one thing I've gotten so many questions, like, how did you get to the Vermilion Regional, Rich? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah yeah I, fighters fg not videos for the basics
1: <laughs> no, no i see that. anything that's uh Aaron martin's not tying is not a basic <laughs> basic youtube video
0: if you have to take your shoes off and get your yeah. tongue wet, it, like that's not a basic yeah. video <laughs> so <clears throat> we were talking about the points a little bit
1: yeah uh, how did we get to that that was well we then we
0: started talking about exemptions and all that kind of stuff um so, a bunch of guys didn't catch them that were at the top of the list today.
1: Oh, yeah, on Lay Lake. That's what we are talking Lake. about. On Lay Lake.
0: That's what we were about to talk about. Because, like, they did update the points, right, after... Yeah, I... they they
1: did, 100%. Um, so, in the Eastern Opens, Patrick Walter still leads. Justin Atkins, Patch Slapper, Joshua Tristner, and then Brian New is in cool. uh, fifth. But uh, the... Overall angler of the year totally flipped, where Christie and Frazier, who were either one two or one three, dropped to five and six, and then Brian New, who we all knew would be a force to be reckoned with, uh, and then Justin Atkins, Matt Robertson, and uh, KJ Queen are in the top four now. That's a, like yeah. a lot of pressure. I mean, not there's not much pressure for Jason Christie or Frazier because they're both in in the centrals, um, but.
0: A lot of pressure for Dale Gleason to be watching from the sideline.
1: Yeah, I've been actually texting with him. Uh, He's actually fishing the uh, Toyota Championship on Cumberland. Um, So he won't even be able to look at his phone tomorrow.
0: Right. Like, no bass track for him. So Matt Robertson's got, like, a 25-point lead on fourth in a 40, almost 35-point. So that's not –
1: Got, man, this stuff swings so much, especially on a lake where you got 60 guys with 10 pounds. And I'm like just saying, like he's, he's off to a decent start. Pounds.
0: If he can go out and catch another
1: 10, 11 pounds tomorrow, he locks it up. He's like. a beast, man. He's remember good. remember how he came up? He was the weekend series champion.
0: No, I think he was the team champion.
1: The, yeah, but it, yeah. the team champion, I mean, yeah. to where... Yeah. What they did when they took the weekend series away or something, they added that team, and then you got to go to the national championship, and then you basically fish against your buddy, and you said that's just kind of.
0: Can you imagine how awkward that is?
1: No, but that basically it was (laughs) it was a carrot, right? I mean, that was the carrot that Bass had was we'll give it to the team, and. I remember Mark and I on BTO were like, oh, this is cheap. It's the whatever. You're going to end up with this weekend series, guys, the Bassmaster Classic. Give it to another guy on the Elite Series. But, dude, like that was our initial introduction to Matt Robertson. And then, I mean, look where he's gone with that. Mm -hmm. He's got a whole line of apparel. He's got fur jackets.
0: Got the autumn hat.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, he won, he's in the classic again, he's, he's definitely competing on that. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really cool deal like to qualify multiple different ways for multiple different classics. And then uh, most likely end up on the elite series next year for a dude that we were all like, what, what is this guy's deal? And then you get to know him. You're like, that that's who he is. I think he mm-hmm. would be a great addition to the elite series. I could yes, definitely I- see like a E60 feature on Matt Robertson. Yeah, I talked. or a a, more. whatever their fox sports one is
0: uh, pickwick because he was fishing the bass nation too yeah he was <clears throat> um and uh he actually he drew the minnesota co or the mike i said the minnesota co drew him for the first day he's pretty excited but uh but yeah like for you guys that are big scott martin fans he's got a mountain decline to tomorrow he's got to like gain 30 points tomorrow
1: yeah, that's. I mean, that's really. Well, Schlapper's
0: double qualified, so but still, like, well, Brian new might be double qualified. So six, eh, So he's only got like okay. So realistically, he's got to get no. Wait, so Walters doesn't count.
1: Walters Flopper doesn't count. New. Atkins could double qualify. Uh, Schlapper or Atkins will double qualify. Okay, Schlapper he's not doesn't count. That far enough. out. Uh, Tracener, Brian New would double qualify. Hamner would be number two. How do you say his name?
0: Herber. Rebar. Rebar, Andy Rebar, he's from Minnesota.
1: Oh, well, I learned something tonight. And yep. then uh, Andy Wicker would be number four. This is as so he's it actually, stays. He's actually
0: he's actually right. Yeah, okay, he's right. actually pretty close.
1: If it stays as it is, he's only like two points out. I he think because of double
0: qualifications.
1: Yeah, he does ten to ten pounds tomorrow. He's gold.
0: There'd be a lot of sweating though, unless he catches them.
1: He'll catch him. It's Scott Martin, dude.
0: You think he didn't you beat him at Louisville
1: Dude, don't even – you thought I went on a rant on that. Let me get on my rant on people when you try to compare beating someone in one turn In tournament. a
0: single event. No, yeah. Yeah, that's an oh, absolute – So just here's another tip. It's schlopper. Schlopper. Yeah. So like an O. He's a northern dude too, right? He's from that's Wisconsin. Kind of and he's on the, So you're going to be talking about him, I think, next year yeah. a lot. So yep. that's schlopper. So you can look like the smart one on PTO. Uh,
1: schlopper. All right. Yeah, you don't know. You can't learn. I mean, if you're a coherent bass fisherman, you have the potential. That's the beautiful thing about this sport. If you're a competent bass fisherman, you have the potential to beat the number one in the world at any given day. Now, if you're going to bet money on it, do it in a one-off. Don't ever do a best of three or best of five or best of seven.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's, it's it's fun to give somebody or jab somebody or just talk about that one time. But in reality, it means nothing, right? Like, yeah, it's no different than golf, right? <clears throat>
1: no, it's like totally thing. different than golf.
0: Totally. Different.
1: No. Yeah. yeah, it is. There's 0% chance that I would ever be Justin Thomas. Oh, yeah. Or no, like okay. Woods it's, it's or just, anything just saying, like that.
0: I, I, what I was thinking is like, if you like on the tour level, right? Anybody. Can no, not anyone.
1: even that. I don't think there's but really saying, any like, way that I, a guy who fishes who, a guy. I mean, maybe one out of a, hundred times a guy who's potentially has pga tour caliber could beat tiger woods and it's a tiger it is it is prime but percent t- would happen right a hundred percent you fish because against- there's
0: so many more things too like you've got blowing a lower unit throwing an ear spinning yeah, a yeah, hub losing like-
1: fish they don't bite they move right like i guarantee you if i think if if any competent bass angler 20 times they're going to beat him once
0: right for sure cuz it's like he could have found everything and like you pull up and there's a local there fishing shiner's anchored on your best spot there's or so many you
1: variables. know you roll into something where you jack two fives on a whopper plopper in the first 10 right.
0: minutes or you just fish by the landing and they had a jackpot tournament and they released 10 you know two boatloads of fish there the weekend before and they all started 100%. To start biting <laughs>
1: That's why consistency, yeah. longevity, and championship, and making championship events, is why it's so respected in this sport. Because that's your true test of of your staying power.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of people watching my stream that are friends of mine and uh, and, and myself pulling for Andy Rebar. He's a good dude. He's a uh, cool he fishes in the Minnesota Bass Nation.
1: So I will have to uh, I'll have to do some more homework on him.
0: So I think he's a couple years into the opens now. I think two years, maybe so. Whoa. <clears throat> all right. What else are we talking about? Let's, let's check a couple Instagram questions. We have some. Okay. Ones. All oh right. God. We're going Here to the Instagram go. questions. We're going to the Instagram questions. All right. Uh, like we talked about like, how, how does Panger live the lavish lifestyle that he lives and makes all the money that he makes? Um, embellish that question a little bit, but
1: yeah, it's basically how do I make money at this?
0: Like, how do you so, make a living?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I've pretty much done everything you can do uh, in the industry. I started out, so I started out um, as an intern at Bass Zone straight out of college. And uh, Jeffries was like, hey, like, I'll pay you enough to where you can eat beanie weenies for <laughs> a year.
2: Ramen.
1: And, yeah, I worked, I worked my way up on that. I've done, like, I've managed uh, – pro staffs, pro teams. I've done uh, worked for different companies providing content for them on the road. I've worked for different anglers providing content for them on the road. Uh, I've written for numerous magazines and websites and edited for that. I've shot photos. I've edited videos. Uh, Then I wrote for five or six years, three or four articles a week for the Bass Zone, uh, and then incorporated that into BTL, the podcast. And now Uh, I get paid to do the podcast, BTL, and supplement that with uh, fishing income, uh, some side gigs, you know, just meeting contacts along the way where you can do some stuff to supplement it on the side. And then uh, sponsors for fishing, the opens is how I make my money. It's, I mean, hulkers. it's it's so far up in the six figures, you'd be shocked, Rich. I mean, it's approaching. <laughs> it's Super lucrative. Yeah, like I only put premium in the Lambo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that and all your poker winnings, right? On top yeah, of that. yeah,
1: I actually haven't played poker a lot recently. Um, obviously, all the poker rooms are, are closed here. But uh, actually, we played a little bit of uh, poker at the uh, Bass Nation Regional on Toledo nice. Bend. Yeah, I won one of the nights. That was the only thing that went well for me that weekend helped offset the uh, cost of the imploded lower unit. Nice. So speaking of
0: that, so if, uh, if BTL ended suddenly, let's say a tree falls on the studio and Mark's like, I'm not, I'm not buying all this stuff again. Like what would, uh, what's your career path if BTL just stopped? Another question on Instagram.
1: uh, (laughs) So this is a true story. So when I was 13 years old and I did, I did in the casting kids deal. I got, like, interviewed, and I just remember this because a couple years ago, my mom and dad used to have a, a cassette, like a VCR, like the thing that you put right. in with the actual tape on it, and they were like, oh, look at this, and it was like, oh, I'm going to work in the fishing industry. If I'm not a fisherman, I'm going to work in the fishing industry, and that was when I was 13 years old, and then I did it straight out of college, so I slid lumber in between years. Um nice in between i played junior hockey for a couple years so when i came home for the summer i would slide lumber and other than that i've been in the fishing industry and that's it i mean i haven't ever really considered anything outside of it
0: so you would just like do video content you'd write you'd fish tournaments you would just keep doing what you're doing and just take on different gigs
1: yeah no i don't know i would uh I, there's a i think there's a lot of opportunities um I think there's a lot of like underutilized opportunities in the industry. The thing about the fishing industry is it gets saturated really quick. And I think it's like that in a lot of other uh, sports that it's, it's fairly easy to freelance in. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's hard to break into like the NFL because you have so many that are established and you have so many ad stream revenues, but like in, in a small niche sport like fishing, like you, it's difficult to have non-endemic sponsorship on like a, like there's not a, you know, there's bar stool outdoors, but there's not like a, you know, NFL network and stuff and all these, it's not like, there's not enough people that care about it. So what you end up, I think having is a lot of people who are making just happy to make some money in it. And then it dilutes the pool. Cause like yeah. something that should cost a thousand dollars. Well, you've got four people that are doing it, and three of those people are happy that they're there and they're willing to do it for two hundred dollars. So like it's really hard to make I guess your living worth. Yeah, like yeah. your worth. So then you like I've gotten to the point where it's like in some things where it's just like, well, I'm not gonna do that because I feel like the value is X and the current value is Y. So I could, I could do all this, but I'm not going to do it unless I get X. So I ended up just not doing it anymore. It's, it's hard to make a living in this, like just kind of freelancing, nitpicking back and forth. Like you have to have a couple solid revenue streams. It's a lot like, it's a lot like fishing in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. every year you have your sponsors that re-up. You've got your big sponsors, your boat, your motor, maybe your oil and gas non-endemic that pays all your entry fees. It's the same same when you work in the industry too. But I I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you listen to BTL. What do you think I'd be good at outside the fishing industry? <laughs> I, I mean, I've never really even thought about that. Hmm. Not that I'm good in the fishing industry,
0: but a while. You're making it at this point. Yeah. That's, all you can, that's, that's pretty good. That's better than a lot of people. I,
1: uh, I have no uh, idea. I'm not, I'm,
0: not, I'm not your guidance counselor. I don't know, Panger.
1: <laughs> I know. I need a guidance counselor, too. That's the problem. i needed one for about the last 12 years.
0: So, uh, Tinhor says, uh, what do you think is the most challenging thing about making content for YouTube? Because on part of this, right? you also produce like, your tournament content and that kind of yeah. stuff. What do you, and and just and you There's you can, figuring you can out something content. Different.
1: Figuring out something different. It's been that number one, like, so the one thing that I've done with 12, 13 years with Mark Jeffries is as soon as we do something, he's already like, okay, what's next. So like I said, it's a, it's, it gets saturated really quick in this industry. So like, right now i'm already trying to think how are my videos going to be different than next year so i did the afgobast food camp in 2019 i changed it up a little bit this year but there's like 15 guys that are doing the same thing i'm doing so right now i mean i try to add in a little bit different stuff i try to talk more i try to do a little different effort but like Music in the background, tournament fishing, giving a midday update, showing your fish at the end of the day and doing it like, OK, what's the difference then? Yeah, I've got my personality and me and people who follow me on BTL, but really put a different face on it. And there's 20 other guys that are doing the same thing. So I'm trying to think, what can I do next year in my videos that are going to be a little bit different? That's a Mark Jeffries thing. We always try to add different stuff like we're on the BTL marketplace next month. We're doing... Uh, the 20 feet deep features that we always did, how we do the on location coverage, the live coverage. Like I did those one-on-ones we did the uh, one-on-one lives and I did like the edited one-on-ones then, you know, a lot of other people started doing those. So I stopped them after three. Like it's just, it's a constant progression of trying to figure out something more. And if BTL show mean like longevity, consistency and constant innovation are three things that, you know, people appreciate that'll kind of always allow you to have an edge in this industry in any industry, even though I don't know any other industry, (laughs) which we just established.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing that's a key ingredient, uh, and and this goes outside of fishing is any, is like creating a connection with your audience, right? Yeah. However you can do that. Like you have to be able to like, that's the big difference between any other tournament video. And maybe what somebody does is if you can build that connection with your audience, either through your personality, through storytelling, through editing, through something that like gets them to connect and have that emotional response that makes them an uh, engaged fan.
1: Yeah, so, I agree. So. And if you're yourself, it's going to be unique because obviously no one is. And, and even if it's along that, that same premise. But I mean, I'm obviously myself in my videos because my reaction when I'm excited is not what I would have planned or not at all how I would plan it to be if I was trying to come off as a cool customer.
0: Yeah, that's what's cool. My voice that's the gets
1: super high. I don't know why. <laughs> like it's always like, oh my gosh.
0: That's the raw part. That's the that's the I don't know. That's that's the stuff you need to keep. <clears throat> um, well, you'd be a crappie guide. We know that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, w- I would. You know, if I, if I wasn't in the professional fishing industry, I'd probably be a guide.
0: Uh, I think what you, I, Matt asked about twenty feet deep, and I guess you, I've heard you guys cover this many times. You guys are basically looking for somebody that would want to back it. And if yeah there is, that's then you guys one would do of the
1: things that i think it's worth x not going to do it for y like do you get hundreds of hours into 120 feet deep yeah. not would not do it I, I mean i would love to do them i like doing them i think there's mm-hmm. intrinsic value in it but like you know at this point if i'm gonna put that much effort into it man gotta be worth a while
0: So uh, somebody asked about ice fishing in Minnesota. Are you coming up here? Yeah, so that's
1: the plan. Um, So uh, I've talked a little bit with like uh, Adam Bartuzek, who's up there. So we had, uh, he actually kind of put me on like Sam Sobey, who did all the stuff with Mm -hmm. like the Guggen squad and stuff. So he was, okay, this (laughs) this is a true story here. Um, So I didn't like know anything about that, like about the ice fishing community up there. Like it's like this (laughs) cult deal. I've watched all these videos. It's like, big league, there's like thousands of people, they're sponsored and stuff. But like I mean Hundreds. it's like a big yeah, no I <laughs> watched one good. video. There's thousands of people who do it. No, like, oh no. so Chris, oh like, you're
0: saying like I thought you're saying competitive. No there's no no just ice fishing. <clears throat> no there's like it's tens like tens of a, thousands of people that ice fish. Yeah for. that's what H- I'm saying. And thousands. like
1: a lot of them watch Sobey's stuff. Yeah. Like he's like a well-known dude, like I was watching where it's just like, hey, come by here and get Sobey's autograph. Well, I didn't know that. He's on the show. I thought he just like filmed some stuff, fish the opens. So I'm like, hey man, I like, want to come up and ice fish. And he's like, Oh, okay, yeah, sure, come up. Then Adam's like, yeah, Soby like makes all of his money this time of year, and he's like really hard to get a hold of, and he's kind of a big deal. He's like, but we can get you hooked up. So <laughs> I'm gonna head up there. I'm super jacked. Uh I think I'm gonna end up going up there like mid-December like after table rock for a couple days i have no idea what to expect i've been watching a ton of videos i don't have the right shoes they always fish on their knees i do not know how to read a flasher i hope they have some other. <laughs> some other what
0: do you what do you, you mean uh david fritz explained it to you don't you remember i know he
1: explained <laughs> it to me but i'm watching like sobeys videos and all that but he's like he's like oh look at these fish down here and i mean this thing is just like going nuts like i'd be tapping on it going hey the flasher's malfunctioning and he's like oh there's one there's one it must be like what someone looks like when they look at live scope and have never seen it before and you're just like freaking mm-hmm. out. so i'm it's a hundred percent a learning experience mm-hmm. will be a learning experience but i'm super jacked for it like yeah. i mean they're fighting the fish you're like oh i gotta be careful this is two pound test and i'm like what my question is how does the line not get broken like when it touches the ice underneath it. So like if you get a fish who run, like how does it not just break on the bottom of the ice every single time?
0: I don't know. Cause it, I mean, does it happen? Yes. But it, it must smooth off on the bottom. I don't know. <clears throat> but I would think with the auger, I don't, I've done it. I just haven't ice fished in like since college, which was like 20 years ago. I just, yeah. No,
1: not- I'm, I've always wanted to, and I've always been super pumped. So I think I'm going to go up and hang out with, uh, Adam and do some pan fishing and whatever else. Like even if I don't catch anything, my goal is probably do BTLI from the ice one day. (laughs) But never done it before. Um, Like I don't even know how to drill a hole.
0: It's pretty. You get yourself a K drill and then uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, those guys. uh, If you're, I don't know where you guys are gonna go, but like uh, those guys where they're from, New Prague is not too far from me.
1: Yeah, I would imagine ice fishing like the location's like pretty. Secret, right?
0: Can be. It's just like, yeah. I mean, one thing about up here is fishing. Little lakes gets pretty secretive, right? Because they're, yeah. they're kind of small and fragile. It's like in Oklahoma, we only got like twelve lakes, like major lakes. Like, you know, nobody tries yeah. to like, oh, I caught them on Grand. Okay, go ahead. Grand's this enormous lake, right? But like when you yeah. say, oh, I, I caught these thirteen-inch crappies out of this four-hundred-acre lake, then that's uh that's. Bad. And then don't like, no, you just
1: like go there and be like, oh, there's a hole there.
0: Right, and you can see where the holes are. Yeah, you, know, like you can see the old hole. Yeah, <laughs> it'd
1: be like if you had a waypoint that just like hung in the air everywhere you caught them on Grand.
0: Yeah, so the only thing you can do, is just all you can do, is bring every stitch of warm Afco clothing you have, and that's about. And you just show up. and oh, then yeah, you'll have Lost everything else.
1: Warm. I'm sure they'll take care of me. But super pumped. The, the
0: feet, thick. the feet are the tough thing. That's you, to you have to ask maybe if they have any boots in your size. Dude, if, I've
1: got uh, the number one boot ever. Okay. is North Face. And they make this waterproof insulated hiking boot. I'm on my second pair in the last 10 years, and like, my feet haven't been cold since I got them.
0: See, I get that. But that's like 20 that's... to 30 degrees standing on a carpeted boat deck or on ground.
1: Well, yeah, not when... two feet of ice underneath it. When
0: you're standing on the ice, sometimes those don't have thick enough soles to keep your feet warm.
1: Yeah, they. well, in those videos, they strap stuff on the bottom of their feet.
0: Yeah, that's only early, well, before they get snow on the ice, which might be before when you come up here. That's just more So I want
1: to ice skate from hole to hole.
0: You can do that. You can bring your skates. Yeah, if it's, I haven't if had it's my good,
1: skates it, on in a year and a half.
0: If it's good clean ice, you can definitely skate on the ice. Uh, and we don't have much snow, so that might be an option. You might want to throw them in just for fun. <laughs> you can skate from tip-up to tip-up. Chase, chase the flags on your what is it the ice pro something those new and it's not but uh well maybe uh, if you're not too far from me maybe i'll come over and drink a beer and watch you ice fish
1: for sure i'll have one of those what are they called
0: i'll, I'll bring the uh grand belt premium light
1: where's that bait uh, it? it looks like it's a, it's a, minnesota. It's a minnesota. minnesota it's a minnesota it's i have a ton of minnesota beers but uh
0: yeah all right that's my ice fishing that's more ice fishing than i want to talk about uh, i've got the muck
1: boots i got the muck boots Muck boots are awesome when you're cleaning horse stalls.
0: There you go. I don't feel like they keep your feet warm on the ice. Uh, They
1: probably wouldn't.
0: uh, Why are you so anti jersey? Somebody wants to know, Matt.
1: I am not anti jersey. I just have not had anyone say, hey, we want you to wear a jersey, is what it comes down to. I'm kind of the
0: same way. I don't like. I think part of it goes back to you, right? Like unless somebody is actually specifying based on a deal you have that they want a Jersey. There's too many people that are wearing jerseys and logos for not enough.
1: (laughs) And it's super comfortable and easy. If I have a contract that says we're paying you this amount and we expect you to wear, you know, and I ask about it and I talk about it and it just has not I'm not anti-Jersey, I'm sure. At some point, hell, it might be this year. I might have a jersey. Um, I've worn them in the vast nation stuff. I have no problem doing that because of the incentives that it gives to your right. state if you win. Things like that. I wore them in college for University of Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. um, I just don't have one.
0: But that's the thing. There's too many people that feel like they need a jersey just to have a jersey. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of like I don't know. To me, it's kind of like the wrap boat deal. Like I remember the first couple times you see a wrap boat, you're like, "Oh god, that guy's gonna smash him. He's in a wrapped boat." Then you realize that, like, whether you're wearing a jersey or not, or your boat's wrapped or not, like, has nothing to do with catching fish.
0: That's for sure. All right. Now we we covered the. uh... So yeah. the Instagram question. So, any uh, this is your chance to ask questions to so like, you know, all you people that complain about Mark not reading the instant feedback on BPL, <laughs> you can ask those questions now, and I promise you, I will read them. Did you stop? Oh. Michael wants to know if you stopped dipping.
1: That's one of the things I'm working on. Yes,
0: good for you. Yeah, you cut your expenses on the opens. You start cutting out those dips. Yeah. starts uh
1: It's hard on tournament days. Yeah. Let's see. I have quite
0: a few buddies that are they they were pretty heavy dippers that have gone to pretty casual dippers and they only do yeah, it when, the, they drink, uh, when they're no, drinking or when they're fishing. <laughs>
1: uh Bertrand's Smoky Mountain is really good stuff. I use that a lot. My stuff that Josh Bertrand sponsored by. Mm-hmm. And then at Cliff Crochet, just as he's with Whitetail now.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, if there are any questions that I missed, go ahead and just repost them quick. Uh, let's see, just comments here. Corey said, I'd like to see more videos about turning prep and work required in the days leading up. That's what I try yeah. to do. <laughs> um, There's a lot of those out there, though. I mean, a lot of guys are doing that. So um, it's hard to get there's a lot of good content and it's hard to get noticed. I think doing that content, um, how does I, you continue- I
1: tend to not do a whole ton of a lot of that stuff because I don't know. I'm just, I, I kind of like use that time just to like get dialed in on it. And then I feel like, you know, like a Brandon Polinick or someone like that. who's like, Hey, I've won like anglers of the years and six elite series tournaments. Like, here's why I'm doing this. Like I'm still like feeling my way through that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I don't have like, I mean, I have no, no, uh, like I got a lot of questions on why I use like a spring lock hook at Neely Henry on that BFE for two fish. And I was like, do I want to do something? Do I want to not do something on that? But really it was just like, I'm not sure I even had a good reason why. Like, I just tied that sucker on.
0: Right. Yeah. And a lot of stuff, you. I mean, you have a, a not, you know, other outlet. A lot of that stuff gets captured during the week on BTL, too. So, yeah. um, So, John, how does Steve Kennedy make money without sponsors? He does have sponsors. He's picky mm-hmm. on his sponsors. Um, he's kind, he wants to make sure he gets his Y value, not his X value. And mm-hmm. uh, so... Well
1: he's also he's more picky about his time too.
0: Right. He values. The big thing uh, with the
1: sponsors is the eight to ten sponsor days that he right. could spend
0: his kids, you know, family hunting crawfish network.
1: with his kids in a creek.
0: <laughs> Josh says, Will you give Rich your address if someone wants to send you an ice rod?
1: <laughs> Shoot me an email Matt at Bassone dot com.
0: There you go. Uh, let's see here.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: What does SA stand for in the BFE color?
1: Uh, South Africa Special.
0: Okay. Somebody thinks you could have been a radio DJ. Uh, do you have a favorite angler besides me?
1: <laughs> You're my favorite <laughs> angler, Rich. Um, no.
0: It's tough where you're at. I mean, you have a lot of guys yeah. you like, but to say you have a favorite angler would be. I
1: also don't have a least favorite angler, so it's. He... There's like
0: there's like ten, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't um... developed any rivalries yet. I'm waiting to be, have my first rivalry. Ooh, like it. Uh,
0: Have you tried the hybrid hunter yet? No. Or the? I have threw not. the. I
1: considered. I, sh- I figured. I. I thought I needed. I probably should have gotten it. Um. For. Raver.
0: Yeah. I bought a couple of the Swanks from Sixth Sense, which are supposed to be pretty much the same thing. And I threw them a little bit around Pickwick. They did come through the hydrilla really nice, but I literally fished through an area that I caught fish on a spinnerbait in practice and couldn't get bite. And I just put it away
1: for the rest of the week. <laughs> should have pulled it out for 20 minutes, Rich. You Maybe really I should have pulled it out day. on day
0: two. There you go. That was the, uh, should listen to Todd. Um, here's a good question. This is, this is a good one. Will the BFE ever be available in 1099? And why yeah. isn't it
1: available? Um, so the BFE was a bit of a experiment, say the least, uh, with allowing primarily Brad um, and myself to design a new bait, capture the whole process on YouTube. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how much it costs to bring a bait to production. So you're talking the aluminum molds, The Mm -hmm. process that it takes to not only just make a one-shot mold, but then to make the production mold on a bait that's unproven, designed by guys who have never designed a bait. Uh, Granted, Brad has the two tour wins and the Costa wins and years on the Elite Series and years on the FLW Tour approaching a million dollars in career earnings. He's pretty damn good. But okay. as far as designing baits and, you know, it, it just, he hadn't done it neither had I. So we designed this thing and they kind of did the whole process. So the average number of colors that you come up with is eight. Um, and with, Kind of designing the whole process through both of our social medias and kind of following it on BTL and talking a lot about it. We added a ninth color, which would be the uh, Bedlam color, which is an orange flake on one side and a red flake on the other, a crimson flake, boomer sooner, like the Bedlam series uh, that we ran in a color contest. And then the 10th color was the BTL color uh, with the black and green similar to the BTL. So that's why you have the 10 colors, which is actually two more than originally are in the eight. When they came out with the Fighting Frog way back in the day, which is, you know, historically their number one selling bait. It's an incredible bait that Dean Rojas designed a long time ago. Uh, you know, it was an eight, eight color deal. And then they just continued adding colors to it mm-hmm. as the demand rose. So uh, as that bait continues to sell and becomes popular, there'll be more colors that are added to that lineup.
0: Yeah, I always just That's think 1099 should be like.
1: Simple no, answer. it's a good
0: answer, but no, I I think I, like when I go to a new lake and I don't know what's going on, like 1099 is the first color I pick up, mm-hmm. or tramp or tramp stamp or whatever. Like, yep. Uh, two people want or people I know, one of the BFE and or the swim on going to be ready in the bulk packs.
1: I have no idea. That's a big bike question. They want to know how
0: much pull you want and can you make that happen? Is what they said.
1: Uh... No, I have no, I have no pull on whether or not they're available in the bulk packs or not. And actually, like when you see Brad with the bulk pack of them, those aren't like coming in the bulk packs. That's like an empty bulk pack that they give us. And then like we get the BFE's like a couple handfuls of them and then put them in the bulk packs. Right. Unless Brad's on some bulk pack deal that I don't know about.
0: He might be. He's special.
1: You're holding out on me.
0: Maybe he's been making some swing by the factory on the, those trips to Alabama he didn't tell you about.
1: Okay. Yeah, maybe. He was a little I, salty tonight, I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, he didn't have the best day. No, be
1: well, he's catching limits. That's a thing, which is big. So I texted him. I got, a, I got a chuckle out of it. And I couldn't tell whether he was being, I believe, the word I'm looking for is facetious <laughs> or whether he was legit pumped. But I think he was – I said, dude, I just did the math. 19 pounds tomorrow, you have a legit shot of qualifying still. No BS, you're not out of this. And all he responded was, thanks for that math with about 19 exclamation points. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that was a little bit of sarcasm in there potentially. So yeah, Way wait, wait to make me feel continue, good. I, didn't, I was trying to – I mean, look, I was just trying to make it feel better.
0: That's how I would have felt if I would have uh, had three more ounces at Pickwick. It would have been like, Rich, you only need 19 pounds tomorrow to make the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs>
1: um, like I said, How's
0: the fly swatter collection? I have no idea what that means. Do you know?
1: The fly swatter collection.
0: I don't know. I'm lost. All right, move on.
1: I'm sure there's something there. I, I watched stuff. a lot
0: of DTL. If there was an inside joke, I missed it.
1: I'm sure there was that I'm not remembering right
0: now. I mean, if it was about cat sounds or something like that, then that would make more <laughs> oh, sense. Oh, that
1: goes on school. That's way back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I actually went and like, because I heard you guys talk about that in the best of, and then I went and like found it and then read it. Oh, you did find it. it? Yeah.
1: Is it is it as cool as I remember it? Is it as funny as I remember it being? I
0: don't know if funny is the right word, but... Uh... Interesting. Interesting.
1: <laughs> debacle-ish.
0: When are you going to fish with Smallmouth Crush? Uh,
1: there might be some stuff down the pipe, depending on what the schedules look like next year. We'll leave is it is at that,
0: that. Is Travis inter- entertaining the thoughts of the Opens next year?
1: Travis entertains thoughts of anything he can make money at fishing tournaments. The guy's fishing online tournaments in the middle of Lake Ontario, and it's 15 degrees outside. So, there
2: you
0: go.
1: If there's a tournament in his neck of the woods, Smallmouth Crush will probably fish it unless he has a very good reason not to which has also been the case in the past
0: right if he feels spurned or burned or uh scorned um cool all right uh, so uh i don't know i think that covered most of the things i want to talk about tonight anything uh you're uh so you're going to try to fish all the opens. You're kind of waiting on the schedule. Yeah, waiting on uh, the schedule
1: to see what comes out with that. So, I mean, typically we do a lot of baits, but I just I don't have a lot of baits at the house. Most of the baits are at the storage unit. So,
0: I guess we didn't talk about a little bit fresh news today, and you guys don't have a show, right? We didn't talk about the schedule. Uh, the it's a solid days. schedule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just might as well give it a few minutes, right?
1: Yeah, uh, solid schedule. A lot of rivers on that schedule. Like if you're Bill Lowen, you're like you're like pumped. St. John's River guys start out there, but it is a river. Uh, The Tennessee River
0: that could be pre-spawn almost. I mean, it'd be betters, but there could be.
1: Well, that'll borderline. be just like the cla- oh the St. John's? Oh yeah, they spawn like twelve months out of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean there also be some bedding fish, but it might be a little Yeah, it I mean, just depends on what they eat. I feel like that's a touch George looks like. touch earlier than they have been, and maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, it'll uh, it should be good. Um Tennessee River, that'll be just like the classic. Fl- yeah. Red, flat sides, smallmouth will play, they gotta be eighteen inches. Sabine do you River.
0: Think, do you think the bigger field, you know, hundred boats versus fifty changes that playing field no, at all? Or not? not really. Okay.
1: Because uh, there's a lot of water, you can fish down there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I you know talk- it also gets small too, but it's. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of options. There's like whole lakes that weren't playing in the classic. Remember, like Zaldane was one of the only ones who like ran to one of the other lakes one of the days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sabine River, we've been to Sabine. And That's basically They've been to Sabine.
0: They didn't get it in this year. The Chamber Commerce has their money in. They're going yeah. back there.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, on in that time of the year, and they catch a fish more than a pound. Lake Fork, that'll be. Frickin' awesome if they can hit it in April 22nd through 25th, that will probably be the tournament with the most boats on the lake in the history of a Bassmaster Elite Series because every single person goes down there for a week, the third right. week
0: eight. That should be, because that's a little bit later than when um, Cobb one, right? Like a week or so?
1: Yeah, maybe? they'll be. that'll be it. Frickin so they spawn so that fest, should be really. Spawn, well, I'm spawn. just thinking like
0: maybe they'll finally be out all the way or starting to get. No, out no, again, they'll though. still be
1: spawning big time. Not, uh, yeah, I was yeah, thinking maybe that unless something crazy happens, they will be there. There'll be some post spawn fish, but they'll still be spawning that third week of April. Sometimes up, I mean, it's only like three hours south of right. Norman.
0: I was and, just thinking like, depending on how the weather is, it it would be best if. The first post-spawn fish are really starting to get out at that time. Yeah, that's a possibility,
1: fish. especially with as many of those big fish are. You know, big big fish tend to spawn earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Neely Henry, in May, first week of May, it will show that Neely Henry does not suck. Right. Like, there's a lot of good fish in Neely Henry. I saw him for a couple, like, the one practice day I had in the open. There's, like, a lot of three-pound spots in there. Yeah And think, big largemouth, too.
0: That will be an interesting one. Uh, because with a slightly smaller field than an open, fishing mm-hmm. it at a better time of the year than they normally would in an open, and not normally an elite series stop, that's kind of a fresh look, right?
1: Yeah, and that's there's numerous guys who have cut their teeth on that. That's a Matt Heron special right there. Yeah, Gunnersville actually, in May
0: should be. What were the, you going to say about Neely Henry? I was just going to, I was going to say the Tennessee River is a little fresh. I know we have the classic there, but that's you know as far as elite series, it's. it's Compared to the rest of the schedule, that's a little bit... This,
1: fresh, is, the, this is the TVA year. Like, right. remember there was like a year, like two years, or last year, was it even, or two, they didn't go to any TVA lakes, and everyone's like, why aren't you going to the TVA lakes? And they're just like, oh, oh, you want TVA? Let's go back-to-back, <laughs> back back, Neely Henry, Gunnersville, and Pickwick. All on the TVA. Well, and then we'll Henry. Neely Henry's not TVA. Or, well, it's in the same, it's yeah. the Coosa River. Right. But it's the same river systems in there. Right. Not the same, but I mean, they're all similar river systems. Like the Tennessee River.
0: But t- Tennessee, there's three TVA lakes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you basically got Ford, Loudon, Teleco, Lake Gunner's Own, Pickwick.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and Neely another... Henry
1: fishes like a river.
0: For sure. Unless you get
1: down to the lower end. A lot time. more,
0: lot more spots, more bank grass, different. Yeah, type, but like, yeah.
1: But you get up north, like up past where we took off, and it's like current. Pickwick, you know all about that one. That'll be a good one. And then, yeah, Champlain for those
0: would ledge tournaments, like those should be offshore. Uh, May should be pretty good, like for people to find some like schools of fish, and the high end should be really good on that. Not everybody's going to maybe smash them, but the people that do will smash them. And same with Pickwick. Like, you're going to have the haves and have nots, I think, to some degree on those uh, May and June tournaments. And then the Northern Swing is the Northern Swing. A little light, right? We only got two. That's one unique thing is only two events up north. They've been kind of doing, like, three-ish.
1: No, they've been doing, coming. like, yeah. It's pretty much been a small half of the season's been up right. north.
0: Because they so are throwing is,
1: a Wisconsin or a St. Clair and then two in New York. Right. So that's I like it. Three. It's a grind grinder schedule with some highlights in it
0: yeah it's kind of balanced right it's not Mm -hmm. all the way one way or the other for
1: sure i like it it's a solid solid schedule it had last year been as it was supposed to go both the flw tour and the elite series would have been magical as far as big fish weights and everything so i'm i'm happy I'm, i'm excited to watch this one I mean, am I, like, going to lose sleep over the Sabine River? Absolutely not. I'm interested to see – there's a lot of guys who haven't fished the Tennessee River that time of year because the majority of the field who fished it in the Classic that time of the year is no longer competing on the Elite Series.
0: Look for a guy like Brandon Lester to have a big event.
1: Yeah, that's a – this is – I said, just said that to my buddy Dave Rush. This is the Brandon this is, Lester this is chance schedule.
0: Brandon Lester's best chance to have an AOI.
1: <laughs> this is Brandon Lester's best chance and Matt Heron's best chance to win, like, four of them. Throw Scott Canterbury in there, too.
0: For sure. The One guy says your dad collects fly swatters.
1: Yeah, he collects everything. Antique soldering irons. Uh – old hay trolleys all the good stuff actually i was <laughs> i was driving back from uh, pickwick
0: and uh, i pulled over near decatur at the rest stop and i was gonna like meet this other guy to go fishing like down by carbondale okay and i missed the turn and i like found myself like two hours north and i was like i'm not turning around at this point and i was like almost like was gonna text you and like are any of these lakes up here worth fishing or should i just go home <laughs> but that's really gonna be cold in the morning i was just like i was tired i was uh, Matt, Neely Henry is the toughest on the Coosa chain, in your opinion.
1: Uh, it's the only one I've fished around there, yeah. so I don't know. I
0: fished Logan Martin once for like a morning. It was pretty fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to have any Garmin units on your boat next
1: year? Yeah. You're
0: going to get a live scope?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you already have an owl,
0: right? Or you already yeah, have I've had it? It, for, yeah. it for a year. Crappie yeah. fishing. Have you tried well, it for I've, bed I've, fishing I've, at all? No. For like deep.
1: Uh-huh. I like the Lorance. I use the dual. I use the Lowrance for all my other stuff, and they just have a dedicated live scope unit up front.
0: Sure. Do you think COVID factor into their scheduling decisions? It doesn't look like Ab- to me. No,
1: I I, I think – I don't know. I don't know. You're right. It doesn't. But, I mean, there's not any new venues on there, and it would be a lot easier, you know, having kind of talked to the guys who schedule it to work with, city planners and organizers who know what they're getting, know what they're expecting then to go completely new.
0: Yeah. I thought I'd say someone. location probably a, the COVID probably affected the locations more than the dates. Might be a yeah. fair way to yep. look at it. Um, that was one of the, And I think it, it affected the timing, right? Why is it so they usually have the schedule out by now. Right. So I think the fact yeah. that you're getting it so late is a big deal. Um, I kind of thought that they might spread it out to give themselves more flexibility, but they don't, they really seem like they almost like pulled it forward more, which I, that, that, that surprised me. I thought it was going to be a little more spread out, give themselves mm-hmm. more, flexibility. more towards the back end. Yeah. But they're, they're going, going
1: more... back to, I mean, dude, look at how tough it was spread out this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I it just, was tough I, to catch him.
0: I didn't think they were going to go this far, but I thought they would maybe backload it or summer loaded a little bit just to maybe, like, for the vaccine and get people yeah. yeah, but I don't know. That's just where – but it doesn't look yeah, like that's it. a fair point. Um, It'll be interesting. Maybe they'll do that with the Opens. Maybe the Elite Series will be front-loaded and the Opens will be back-loaded. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we won't start in January. Like, if it feels pretty hard that we're going to have a Eastern Open in January, being that it's December 3rd right now, right? Yeah, so. I don't
1: think that's going to – that's not going to happen.
0: So uh maybe the Opens will be more back-loaded because of COVID. We'll see.
2: Be good because associate.
0: that's a lot harder for them to execute with the codes and bigger fields, yep. and like that's 100%. a bigger thing. So they, they, you might see that the open schedule is more affected, but time will tell. Um, Don wants to know what's your what's your square bill rod?
1: Uh, right now, I'm just using a seven foot medium heavy Denali lithium crankbait rod. I like that little me little that medium heavy. I like in any. Crankbait rod with this square bill because I mean, if I'm throwing a square bill, I'm typically planning on getting bit where I have to get them out of something, pull them away from something, even if it's rock and I want to just be able to move those fish. Uh, so that medium heavy still allows the feel, a little give on it, but enough backbone to get them out and away from the rock or lay down.
0: 2x hooks, bigger hooks.
1: Yeah, I, I use, uh, I really started liking the short shank uh, AMART nano-coated Gamagatsu G-Wires. Not the finesse ones, but they're a little bit thicker. They're short shanks. And on a uh, 1.5, those number threes are lethal. A, r- a lot of confidence in those number threes on a, on a 1.5. And I also just think as a like a little bit smaller hook and diameter on that hook. So it's, I mean, it's still it's not like a beefy Crankbait hook, but I think you get a little harder harder thump on your on your plug. Yeah,
0: I could have Corey, but it was in the middle of the night, so that's why I didn't tackle, <laughs> Mike's tackle world. Uh, what uh, Chris wants to know, what kind of Basscat you're running, and what year is it? Uh,
1: this year, I ran a 2020 uh, Basscat Links. Um, and then the year before that I ran a Puma and then I'm going back to a Puma in 2021, just for the simple reason that I fish a lot of docks and that links is, I mean, it's a wide boat. Uh, it's the widest that they've ever made. It's very, very stable platform for fishing. I mean, you have two guys standing up front and everyone's like, Oh, well the bass cats are narrow. Yeah. Well, you get the, uh, FTDs, which is the full team deck, uh, and you can have both guys standing up front. The trolling motor so far up front on the on the front hole of that that yeah. I mean you can have two guys standing, but man, you could be like snow angels on that on that lynx deck. You can uh, both
0: be up there and socially distance. A
1: hundred percent. Yeah, it's giant. Like you can climb in there odd. Like I love the boat, like everything about it. Uh just for my style of fishing. I like that the puma and the hole and and, and how kind of quick the nimble, and a Big, bit being nimble. more nimble it is. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I really wanted to go full out, maybe I'll do that next year. I'll get that, uh, that, uh, uh, era. But, uh, I'm I really like the, uh, the Puma as well. So I put like, a, like almost 200 hours on that links this year on the engine on that link. So, I mean, it feels like home. I was afraid it's like a really deep boat, right? So the cockpit's really deep in it. Um, and I was afraid that I would just like do a Greg Louganis off the front deck, but man, mm-hmm. it was it's super easy to navigate. I really really got comfortable in that thing. Nice.
0: So do you uh, do you sell that or uh, is that
1: a- uh, Yeah, they sponsor uh, BTL, so they're like a big big supporter of BTL. Right, but I'm so saying like,
0: are so. not trying? It, to it, that it, yeah,
1: it runs through uh, through BTL, nice. uh- so I don't have to sell it.
0: So you don't have to be out here pushing your boat like most pros. No, be like, yeah.
1: no, but I do have a boat to push. If I mean, if we're in the pushing the boat, if anyone's interested in a two thousand seven ZX one hundred and ninety that's been magical, one hundred and fifty Yamaha carbureted, 18 motor guy, a uh, Helix seven up front and an eleven ninety seven in the back. Garage stored, but the seats are a mess, the carpet's a mess, and it's got one. Fiberglass gouge and about four scratches and (laughs) have started in a year. First person, first person to bring me eighty five hundred dollars, it's theirs. So
0: if you're looking for a good project starter boat,
1: it's a amazing project starter boat, and it's way below what those things are going for right now. I just need to get rid of that thing. Uh, it's it's been in my buddy's garage. And he's like, hey man, I'm trying to sell my house, and the realtor said we got to stage the garage, and like this thing is in it still. So I was like, okay. And I've been meaning to sell it. So I made a national championship out of it.
2: There you go.
1: I won a boat out of it. I mean, dude, it's a magic boat. Like people would fish out of my boat and be like, oh dude, we're in the Skeeter. I'm like, yeah, I know. Something crazy will happen. That's why one of the reasons why I still have it. I have had dreams of like restoring it like a hundred percent to where it was it's a 2007 like I said but it's it's got a little sun fade I mean it's a hundred percent functional right now put spark plugs in it change the fuel inject you're good to go but uh I've had dreams of like making it perfect and it's just not going to happen so if anyone wants a good project boat or doesn't mind the seats or carpets cracked and you live around the area hit me up
0: Maybe you can just take the butt seat out of it and put it in a new boat and you'll bring the magic with it.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if I have a butt seat for it. I think I
0: do. Nice. It sounds like how my boat will be by the time I end up selling it. Um, Will bass ever fish the Hudson again? I have no idea. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> I think there's a restriction on the Hudson, isn't there? Like a weird slot limit or something on the I Hudson. Have, I, I have it, no clue. I, thought I maybe heard like that on DASU or some other podcast where they're talking about it's got some kind of funky length limit on it. So cool. Well, we're two hours in. I think you probably missed all your rodeo. Not um, well, talking. me or whatever.
1: Did you have a good? Record. Did you have a
0: good dinner last night?
1: Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't that great. I had a, uh, I had a. Strip, but it was like a Wagyu strip. I couldn't tell the difference between that and the USDA Grade A that I get at Walmart. So, oh, wow. yeah, it wasn't bad. It was good. Either I make an amazing steak from Walmart, or theirs was not as good as it should have been.
0: They just need a Traeger.
1: Oh, dude, I'm am I'm, I'm all I'm all about that. I Traeger three four days a week. Girlfriend got me a Traeger like two years ago, and I'm literally like turned into an instant grill master. There like Justin, Lu- like if you don't Traeger and you follow Justin Lucas on social media, what he's doing is not like otherworldly. Like you can do it with a Traeger. Right. You Traeger or pellet
0: grill? Uh, no, I have a bigger right. egg. but Oh,
1: that's just, not bad.
0: No, it just takes more time to get where you need to be. It's less convenient, but
1: like, yeah, you need a pellet grill, man. Like You'll regret it. the years that you don't have a trigger, Or whatever. What's Josh Bertrand? He's a Green Mountain. There's I've like a, a pellet Girls war going on now.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, my, my day job, I helped develop the packaging for the new Weber pellet grill. Really? Yeah.
1: You should be able to get one then, shouldn't you?
0: You'd think so. It didn't work out. <laughs> but... Yeah, maybe you'll get to see the live scope on the ice. That's where live scope really dominates. Like even more so than anything you do in a boat, like live scope on the ice is like harvesting, like just cheating. Like they can just like put it in, they just turn and like really? they school up so hard in the winter, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suspect that you just start drilling holes, they just make like a grid and they just drop it in and they spin that thing around. They're like, Oh, nope they're twenty yards over that way, or nope, like they're fifty yards over that way, and then they just go drill holes and they just
1: Huh. No, I'm beyond Jack to go ice fishing. Like it's gonna be like it's a I don't care. Life
0: experience is it? Yeah,
1: I guarantee my first fish will be like a seven-inch crappie, and I'll be like, "Take a picture."
0: <laughs> nice, awesome. All right, we'll have to do this again sometime, Matt. I appreciate it. thanks, you Rich. On. I
1: enjoyed it, man.
0: For any of you that don't know, right? Look, shirts, Bash talks live, and uh, on yep. YouTube, uh, you can yeah, follow Matt. Yeah, it's also Matt.
1: on all of the uh, all the. Uh, 99% of our downloads and views are on iTunes, Google yeah. play. I don't yeah. know. So if if we if leave one stream out, everybody gets offended. Like, well, I listened to it on. Okay.
0: Yeah. So yeah, if you're a podcast person, go on your app, search BTL or Bass Tech Live. You can follow uh, Matt Pangrick at Instagram. If you want to follow his endeavors, see his, I'm sure there'll be like some sweet stories from ice fishing here coming up in a couple weeks. So you will not want to miss those. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh all right awesome so thanks everybody if you're new to the show make sure you subscribe uh leave comments on the show afterwards uh i put this on a podcast as well if you guys don't want to watch two hours of youtube you can also i'll have a link in the description below and you can find that or just search hella bass on your podcast and uh, as always here to help you guys catch more bass what's up everybody welcome to episode 39 hello bass podcast experience this week we're talking to matt panger aka bass talk live fame we cover all things bass fishing his tournament recap tournament season big bite baits afco we talk about the elite series qualification the opens for 2021 and the bassmaster elite series for 2021 and a bunch of other stuff i think you're really going to enjoy this episode if you guys are enjoying this Review this, give us a thumbs up in your favorite podcast app. It really helps a lot. And as always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.